Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. We have put together something really intergalactically stupid. It's remarkably stupid. Parkinson Spiegel, QB1 Town Hall. People are going to yell at me. We have Just Independence. Yes. Caleb Retarians. I, I, and Undecided. Undecideds. Yes. Cube Undecideds. No. <laughs> I like skirt steak. It's delicious. But if the A5 Wagyu is on the menu, it's better. And in this weird case, it's cheaper. We will start with our Twitch mob and normal Tom. Danny, I'm going to use your analogy against you. Your cube steak or whatever it was. Wagyu. Caleb Williams hasn't played one minute in the NFL. So you might end up with baloney. Who's next? All right, you're looking for answers. Let's go back to Undecided. All Joining right. us from Bleacher Nation Cubs and Bears. Blue. I love the steak comp. I can't trust everyone's cooking. Can you convince me that I can trust who's cooking? Uh, no, no. That scares me. Joe Aurelio joining us here on stage. Joe Aurelio, everybody, right. Aurelio's Pizza. Remember, it's the Got sauce. It. It's the sauce. It's the sauce. Thanks, thank that. you, Joe. Hey, everybody, turn around. Mark Grody's in the house. Yeah. I heard there was booze here, too. Uh, yeah, Dave the Cat, shout out. We're just going to yell things that we know about Mark Grody. Shane's. He <laughs> <laughs> loves Les Gropstein. Uh, yeah. Illinois State Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Alcoholic, yeah. <laughs> you said it, not me. This guy over here is like, whoa. <laughs> he said it. Everyone give it up for Olin Cruz. The best. I know you know this, Olin. I've never been in the NFL as a player. Uh, no. Do you think, okay, that was a little quick. That was a little quick. And I've never been a debate champ at Thank New Trier, so Thank we're even. Yeah. <laughs> a ton of textures are saying, put Dino from Mount Greenwood on. I'm worried about the process. It's you're chasing a unicorn, you're always destined to fail. And it's just like the TL TLC song. I won't say, I won't do the whole thing oh like I was God, planning on. But, you know, you don't want to chase waterfalls. Don't go chase.
going to lead to just disaster, I think. If you so always is Justin Fields the rivers and the lakes yes. that you're used to? Yes, Justin Rivers is the fields and the lakes that you're used to. Okay. Thank you, Spiegel. I knew you got it. I got you. I'm really glad right. we went to Dino. Yeah, me too. I'll chase the waterfall. You will? Yeah. Don't, don't go doing that. Much more exciting. I think I'll... you're moving too fast. You guys were absolutely fantastic. Give yourselves a round of applause. Seriously, Seriously everybody, you guys everybody were fantastic. Drive. No matter who the quarterback is, we don't want them to be no scrub. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jerry, I love this guy. Always coming up with these great lines. I love him. I love him. One, two, three. And here we go, Jim. Here we go. Here we go, Jim. Here we go, Tony. Parkins and Spiegel Show, afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. We didn't really know what to expect, but I think it went better than any of us could have expected. I loved yesterday. I had a great time. I, I, I was so thrilled to see the turnout of, uh, of the listeners, and everybody came with a thought. Shane, what was the percentage of people that filled out an index card or, or you filled out an index card for that wanted to talk. It seemed like a very high percentage. Yeah, I think uh, 65%. That's great. Amazing. That's great. They all came with thoughts. Some people didn't get through. So sorry about that. We took a lot of people. A lot of people got on the air. I think everybody, for the most part, had a great time. It was lovely. It really was. It was a great day. And 99% of people had a great time. 99% of people, yeah. One person... Should we talk about it? Probably not. No, I don't think so. Just allude to it. Right, okay. I'm kind of no. afraid of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. One person maybe had uh, didn't, didn't check five out of five on the review, right? On, like, the survey hey, after man. the call. Yeah, well, you, don't, you, don't, you don't define an experience by the one person's worst experience. You throw out the best and throw out the worst. Who had the best time, you think? Dino. Uh, Dino, yeah. So, or, or, or Tom. I mean, it was right Tom. before he was knocking on death's door. <laughs> so throw out his experience <laughs> yeah. and the person who had the worst experience. Right, and then and everybody else seemed to enjoy themselves. It's a win. That's a win. Yep. All right. Good job. Excellent. Now, did we solve anything? I think, you know. No. All right. There was That's some what convincing. I thought, too, Danny. There was some convincing that came out. I'm going to think that we did. I'm going to go ahead and think that we convinced a couple of people. One person told me, oh, it was Patrick from Gage Park, said he was undecided, but we got him by the end. He's a got ca- him. He's a kid libertarian. All right. So, yeah. Was it the steak analogy? I, <laughs> I, I was it that he liked Wagyu? <laughs> I don't know exactly what it was. Honestly, I was thinking about that last night. I was like, God, that was good. Yeah. I'm so was, proud. Is that your best moment, the analogy? I, I, well, the best moment from the analogy was when the audience member added that the great thing about Wagyu is that you don't need to do much to it. Yeah, that was a, that was a texture. That's, that's what, yeah, a texture. That, it's just a light little sear. Yeah. Because like, the meat is so good. And that's If he's as good as we all think he's going to be, uh-huh. they can't even bears it up yeah. because he's going to be that good. You know, you know so good. I had so much fun uh, like talking to the crowd and like being, being able to be physical as we're talking about this stuff. Like there was a moment. Uh, Were you blocking? No, you saw. <laughs> Being physical. I was with the in crowd. the pocket. I was in the pocket. I was holding the ball, and I was like, 
visually representing what it is to go through your progressions and yes, process. That's true. And then like it was it was realistic yeah, too. And, and and scrambling on the move and being able to throw it with a quick trigger from whatever body position you happen to be in at the exact right? Do you moment. remember that radio audience? I, 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 maybe there was a Twitch person or nine watching. <laughs> but I'm saying, Shane, that I like a crowd. I like I you know, we're we're performers here. Play to a crowd. Yeah, the playing to a crowd and being able to be physical with the stuff. So we should do that kind of thing more often. I, I agree. We'll figure out another reason yep. uh, to, to get the mob together. It was it was a lot of fun. The Scott Boris effect at Town Hall. <laughs> Let's talk about how he's ruining baseball. Let's do it tomorrow. All right. So on the other side, I want to – I'm seeing a lot of people on the internet be like, we got to have uh, – there's a lot of information out there. We've got to have an emergency Bears press conference. We gotta, did we learn anything today? Did we learn the new – Defensive. We we know that Matt Eberflus is still going to call plays. Yeah, we heard from the new DC and the new OC. They spoke for about half an hour. I think what what we did get is a sense of what these guys are like as public speakers, trying to elucidate their points. So we got that sense. Okay, I want I want to try to actually work through. Like, did, they certainly didn't tip their hand to any headline news that's going to lead SportsCenter. But I'm wondering if we think we learned a single solitary football thing. We could talk about grading the press conference and all that, but like a single solitary football thing. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. It's a disgusting way to do talk radio, isn't it? Afternoons on the score. Uh, today is really about uh, Shane. You know, the one guy that we did interview twice was Shane. Shane and Chris is going to be a really good dynamic for the offensive staff. Obviously, you know, selecting Shane. You know, Shane was, uh, was a big hire for us as well. Shane is fired up. Wow. So good. I forgot. So good. I, I didn't even think about it. That Shane, the offensive coordinator, and Chris, the offensive line coach, they're really going to have to interact a lot. I wonder if they're into men- mentorship. You know, it's funny. We know that tonight there's a big meeting where they're digging into the draft. Shane and Chris. And why do they Shane keep Shane Chris Waldron? Really dig into this draft. Yeah, they And do. Chris Morgan on different sides of the glass is everybody. <laughs> they're, like, tucked in a different room. Kind of sitting next to each other for yeah. some reason. Yeah, they only like crack a mic every once in a while. I I know. I don't know. They got to hire a Danny. <laughs> we got Matt Eberflus, oh, Chris, right here. Chris Morgan, yes sir, Shane Waldron. Is there a Danny on staff? There's not a Danny on staff. Oh. There's not a Danny on the roster. Not a single adult Danny to there's be found. There's not a Danny lawyer. There's not a Danny broadcaster. There's, there's not a Danny be. accountant. Yeah, there's got to be a Danny in there somewhere. No one that they talk about publicly. Mm. There's not a Danny. Are you, what are you Googling? I'm just a bear <laughs> staff. <laughs> bear staff. Got to look. Sorry. I'm just curious. Sorry, like, sorry. I didn't need, no, I needed to run my Google ideas by I'm you. I'm just curious how you would come up with a <laughs> Chicago <laughs> Bears employee oh, no. Danny. Yeah, no, it's fine. Big oh. brother over there, huh? Oh, See, oh, my seriously, God. my God. Where, where's the foreign? that I have to file in triplicate to tell you what my Google search terms are. All right, Alan Williams. I'm just just asking. Glad you got done hacking AT&T, Danny. Who did that? Danny. (laughs) Interesting. Sorry, I took it one step too far. No, no, no. No. Uh, All right, so there was a buzzword today. There was a a key word. And the thing is, sounds really good. It's going to get a lot of praise. It's going to get a lot of compliments. The only issue is we've heard it before. Matt Eberflus on the key of adaptability. Make the scheme go and make it go with the skill set that we have. And that's important on offense and defense. And that's one of the things we talked about. And that's why these two men are sitting right here um, with us today about being adaptable. you got to be able to adapt. 
um, you know, during the course of a season. You're going to have injuries at times. You're going to have different skill sets in there. Uh, in-game adaptability. you got to be able to have in-game tactics. <laughs> adaptability. And so then Shane Waldron is like, hey, i got to follow the leader. Yeah. And the leader is Flint. That's an important part of, of uh, being having tactics. You know, just from a player's standpoint in general, a lot of the conversation on offense revolved around, you know, adaptability. What, what can you do with, you know, different pieces of the puzzle depending on each year. Each year in this league is going to be its own individual year. And I think priding ourselves on having an offensive system, uh, a group of coaches that can adapt and, and, and adjust the scheme to the player's skill set. You know, because it's our job first to be great teachers and then second to be able to put guys in the right position in the best position for their own individual success to lead to our team's success. So a lot of the conversation revolved around not just the quarterback position, obviously that's a, a starting point on offense, but how does that look for every position as team and, and as teams adapt each year and as players adapt each year? I don't like your tone, Danny. Um, I mean, because it's, it's good to hear offensive coaches talk about adapting to the, to the I, that's what I want. Of course it is. Of course it is. I am just saying. Yeah. Well, you know what? Actually, let's just hear Matt Nagy in 2021. We need to do whatever's best for our team. We need to adjust and adapt as coaches to who our players are. Oh, no. <laughs> that was on the McNeil oh, and Parkin show in 2021. Yeah. He, Matt talked about adapting a lot and never did it. Not once. Luke Getzey at his press conference, uh, the new uh, coordinator of the Vegas. I think you really got to play into the players that you have uh. and the things that they do really well and then focus your offense on what the players do well and not the players into your offense. Now, at least he did it a little bit at a couple <laughs> different times before eventually going back to show you his geniusness. I, I'm just, Maggie never did it. I'm just saying, listen, I advocated for the hiring of Shane Waldron. We're just having some fun with words here. I think yeah. that it was a good hire based on the circumstances well, and all of that. Words are fun, by the way. Yes, but this is the bar. This is what people say. This is what they all say. Every one of them. Uh-huh. The the Sean Paytons and the Andy Reeds and the Matt Nagy's and the Luke Getzies. Yeah. This is what they all say the first day on the job. I'm just a guy who's going to come here and you're going to tell me who my players are and then I'm going to build an offense around my players. Yeah. It's what they all say. Now let's see it, Shane. Exactly. Shane, that's going to be fun. Exactly. Shane and Chris. Can we talk about the um, – the physicality, the look, the appearance of Shane Waldron. Now, this is going to be a guy we're going to get to see, you know, once a week here. He's got kind of a goofy lunkhead sort of physicality and, and grin about him, I think. And he looks like Doug McDermott, as Shane had said yeah. earlier. Maybe not quite as graceful. I realized what he has is long snapper energy. That's what he's got. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Because he Sounds was a, awesome. He was a long snapper. <laughs> he was a long snapper. He was. He was a long snapper. Was it Tufts? I think he was. So he's got just like this really like he likes football a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's got a he's got a, like a, a meaty football guy sort of look and vibe to him. I liked it. I liked it. I thought he was fine. Yeah, yeah. it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. I, I just I really I don't envy a beat writer's job today or maybe more accurately, like a headline writer's job. What's the headline today? I mean, we all talked about it in the group chat this morning. Like, all right, what are we going to have on the show today? Oh, the press conference is at noon. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I think, I think, what, the, what was the headline? I think the headline is something I was thinking about going into it and how we handled it is, is the headline uh, Bears offensive coordinator does not 
tip hand on quarterback intentions. So the headline is that he did not provide a headline. Because he was okay. a, he was allowed to speak when they want everything vague and leverage maintained. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished, and he he was dancing as as he was doing it. Okay. Yeah. Th- Sure, I think I, I'll, I'll grant you if that. I, if I if I was writing the headline, yeah, because I I found it interesting, and in that, and in that way, then the Bears are happy with it today, right? Absolutely. They, there's no way you could have taken anything that Shane Waldron said and said that that is Justin Fields or Caleb right. Williams or rookie or veteran. Like they, because, he, he didn't say anything. Because the the beat writers tried a little bit. Of course, they should have. Yeah, let's let's hear let's hear Shane Waldron dance around. Oh no, no time, no time. We'll do it later. Okay, my bad, my bad. Ooh, whenever I get that look, I'm like, ooh, Danny has made a. Bad decision. <laughs> I've made I've made a bad radio decision based on the length of that audio. But the point is this: yeah, is that they good on them for speaking, good on them for having accountability. But they uh, take it, take our word for it. Let, let's hear it. Let's hear it later we'll, somewhere. We got we'll hear, time. We'll hear it later. And uh, so have, you, so have you talked to him yet or no? Yeah, we've we've exchanged messages there. <laughs> they've exchanged texts. All right, they've texted. Maybe that's the headline. Shane Waldron and Justin Fields have texted each other. And there's a draft meeting tonight. That's very convenient. We're going to do a press conference. But, oh, we haven't really been digging into that. Yeah. I've just been focused on hiring the staff. That's a lie. (laughs) <laughs> like you have absolutely watched film of guy. He wouldn't even mention specific players on the Bears offense that were under contract. That he he didn't say DJ Moore's name. No, he didn't say Cole Komet's name. It, it was he. It was just intentionally vague, and they accomplished their mission. I thought you rightly asked yesterday after we heard Justin Fields on the podcast with the St. Brown brothers um, talk about you know kind of being bored. That usually I'm watching film. That he doesn't have the playbook. You're like, oh, does that sound? Does that mean he doesn't have the playbook or doesn't have the digital hello from the new offensive coordinator? And I, I think today he said all they've done is exchange text messages. So I thought, I thought about that. Yeah, he 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 referenced some like rules about communication or something. Uh-huh. But yeah, they, they they were dancing around all of that stuff uh, today. We are going to take some of the information that we got from Olin Krutz and then other experts and put it together to see for Polt's position whether or not the top offensive line need of center is more likely to come through the draft or free agency. Sounds like a polls position. We'll do it next on the score. Be it in the poll position in Indy. The polls position. It's time for polls position. So the number one pick, by the way, for the Bears is secured. The Chicago Bears are on the clock. What will Ryan Poles do with the number one pick? I got a lot of confidence in our ability to see talent on the field. The human being, we got to figure out. We're counting down the days to the NFL draft. How about the number one pick with the Bears? Caleb Williams, the one thing that is clear, he is not special. Well, I'm a friend of Caleb's. I feel like he's a, a young version of Patrick Mahomes. Not sure yet. Not sure. Maybe not working out. I don't know what's going on with the Bears. It don't matter. No matter who they take, because Justin Fields, he'll probably leave and go win a Super Bowl somewhere. So if you go to the Bears organization, you're doomed. With the first pick, the Chicago Bears select. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Afternoons on The Score. Each and every day at 3 o'clock, we try to get inside the mind of Ryan Poles, tackle rumors, trades, drafts, free agents, things that we imagine Ryan Poles, Ian Cunningham, and the scouting staff and the coaching staff now will be discussing in the lead-up to free agency and the draft. Today, 
the center position. Yeah, we've covered a lot of important stuff on Paul's position, but we have yet to do a deep dive on centers. And we're doing a little different today. We're not going to go super deep on like a whole bunch of college prospects or a whole bunch of free agents. We actually have some of our experts giving us their insight, which we can hear and follow up on. Yeah, today it's more about trying to figure out if it is more likely that the answer at center is going to be a veteran or a rookie and not necessarily attaching a name to it. Though some of this will have names attached to it, and we will undoubtedly do that in our analysis. But we can start with Olin Krutz, and if you can draft the center in the first round. People say, well, I don't know if it's ever been done. Has any team ever taken a center and a quarterback in the first round? Right, they're all high quality. A kid from Oregon is a very, very good football player, guys. Man, he plays on a high level. Uh, I know everyone's excited about him. Uh, he could probably make the calls. There's a reason guys get first round grades, right? They're just different than the guys in their class. So, can it be done? It always depends on the player. Has it ever been done? No. Does Does a veteran center give you make you a little more comfortable with his calls, with the way he's directing the line, get everybody moving in the right direction, pointing out the blitz, redirecting blocking schemes? Yes, he does make you a little more comfortable. Uh, he does help out a young quarterback. But but that doesn't mean a young center can't do it if you have veteran guards around him and, and veteran offensive linemen and guys who all been together. Remember, you would put a center in the middle of an offensive line that's all played already, right? And it would co-commit too. Uh, you would have a, a tight end. So you would have a lot of guys who have all played together already. Now, here's the thing is you got a new scheme, right? You got a new offensive coordinator. But a young center, an elite center, uh, uh, speaks could do it. Uh, I'm not saying you take a guy in a, a third round, a guy like me, a bum. You don't take a third round center, but you can't take a first round. I just need a new center. <laughs> Thank you, Layla. See, it, that, it does alleviate some of the concerns. He's saying that you could have a rookie, as, and as long as their strengths are pass protection and identifying coverage, that they could work, especially because you've got veterans around them. So the name that he was alluded to, the Oregon kid, that, that's Jackson Powers Johnson. But then there's another guy... Zach Frazier, have you come across him at all yet in any of your reading? The kid I, from West Virginia? I have come across Zach Frazier. So, I have another guy, it, but it, go ahead. Well, according to some of the stuff that I it actually might be a really weird year where there could be two centers drafted in the first round. Man, that's crazy. Because last year my guy was John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, and he ended up going high second round. Yeah, Giants, right? To the Giants yeah. uh, was the center for the all-rookie team. Um, not a dominant year, but kind of an up and down year, but that's the highest that a center went last year. Jackson powers. Johnson could be in the twenties, could be in the teens. You're saying the Zach Frazier could be in the first round yeah, as well. I was reading more about him and he got, he got a late first round grade from a couple of people. And so we'll, we'll see, and it'll depend on team need. And I'm sure everyone will have it graded differently. They normally do outside of the top 10 or 12 players in the draft. Mm -hmm. uh, I think about Ryan Poles and Kansas city. He drafted Creed Humphrey in the second round. That's a that's, that's, a, that's a high that's pick a for a premium center. investment in a center. Creed Humphrey was the 52nd pick in the draft, and that was the year after the Tampa Super Bowl where Mahomes was running for his life and the Chiefs got blown out in the Super Bowl, and mm -hmm. they vowed to never do that again in terms of they had this asset that they wanted to give $500 million to. They were going to protect them. And so Creed Humphrey was the big draft asset, they also did Trey Smith in that draft, and then they had uh, 
Joe Thune, the guard that they gave $80 million to. Mm-hmm. So all of that happened in one offseason. But Creed Humphrey was the top draft pick of Ryan Poles after that Super Bowl and was a center at 52 overall. Uh, Zach Frazier was at the Senior Bowl but did not practice or play because of injury, but at least he was there. So there were some Bears coaches uh, there um, and can can check that out, um, have that individual relationship piece Tanner Bartolini interests me a little bit that's a Wisconsin kid who's played all over the offensive line but was at Wisconsin for a long time and has a lot of nasty to him okay uh, and I, like I, I haven't I haven't really read much about him I'll I'm, be honest Danny I'm not ready to declare which oh, okay. which center uh, I love in the draft okay. ju- just yet well well because we'll get a little closer and, and as you know I care deeply about the position having, having played it at a very high level um, so yeah, so, so I'm not ready to declare, but, but I'm not as afraid of drafting one as I was even a month ago after uh, talking to some people. All right. Well, so I want to play Matt Bowen on the subject. And then there was something that I was reading out of the senior bowl that I want to want to throw at you here. So he, here's Matt Bowen with Dan and Lawrence on the same question that you asked Olin yesterday, rookie center, rookie quarterback. Is it doable? I agree hundred percent. Someone that can help you up front that can make the protection calls for you, right? That can set the protection, that can talk to you in the huddle, that can talk to you on the sidelines. Someone who has seen everything. I think it's very important, Dan, to pair a young quarterback who's going to need a lot of time in terms of development and understanding the pro game, especially that first month of the season, to have a veteran in front of him makes a ton of difference. Okay. So so, so, so Bowen feels strongly that it needs to be a free agent. Chase Chase Daniel did too. From, remember, from the quarterback perspective, he said mm-hmm. that you would not do rookie quarterback, rookie center. Remember, we talked to him about that yep. uh, tor- towards towards the end of the year. It's a tough spot for me because I think that Olin, they're all very smart football people, obviously, and Chase played quarterback, so he would have the perspective of like if he'd be comfortable as a mm-hmm. rookie quarterback with a rookie center, but Olin, as the authority on center play in the NFL and all of that, he's like, listen, if you have... Nate Davis and Tevin Jenkins right yeah. next to him who can help with the protection calls at the beginning. And you can get an elite prospect there who can develop with the quarterback. He doesn't have any, any issue with it. It makes me lean towards not having an issue with it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where I lean as well. Um, but because, because the man played it at a very high level and has, has understood that dynamic. I will say in reading about John Michael Schmitz and his giants year, um, there was some talk that he leaned on the guard next to him a little too much, Justin Pugh, and Justin Pugh ended up tipping the snap a lot of times because he, Schmitz like struggled with either remembering or, or or nailing the snap count at times. So Justin Pugh tipped it, which is a big deal for a defensive line. Well, the other thing too is we have to think about like, are they going for the Super Bowl this year, or are they going to go into the year with high expectations? but possible half step back to take three steps forward if they draft a quarterback. Because if they're doing half step back, three steps forward, mm-hmm. then rookie center, rookie quarterback's fine. You know, sure, then there will be some – again, Creed Humphrey had probably 12 to 15 low snaps just in Chiefs playoff games this year. And that's a guy who's been a pro bowler and an all pro. You know, so, I mean, you can – if you've got a special quarterback, mm-hmm. you can live with occasional mistakes from your center if there is a high ceiling there and they can really grow together. I mean, I, I, I dream of whoever the quarterback is having their Jason Kelsey. I wanted it for fields. They didn't do that and really get him one, and I know that's a very special yeah. example, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, it, if there's someone out there who's gettable and available – um, I, I'd, I'd be very interested. The problem is that the number one guy, Connor Williams, is coming off a big injury 
with the Dolphins, tore his ACL in December. Yes, and I want to want to get to that in just in just one second. But one, because we're going to do the veterans here in just a second. But one more thing on the rookies. Mm-hmm. So Jim Nagy, he's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, he was an NFL executive. He said talking to NFL scouts since the Senior Bowl, consensus opinion is the two position groups that are deeper than what the league thought prior to Mobile, cornerback and center. It's interesting. So I wonder in that scenario, and he says that's good news for teams with needs at both those positions. He mentions, of course, Jackson Powers John, uh, Johnson and then a corner from Toledo, uh, Quinion Mitchell, who stole first-round headlines. But he says, but there are a bunch of guys at both spots that boosted their draft stock. So I wonder if Ryan Poles looks at that and says, I don't need a first-round center, but I do need a, to get a second-round pick back. I drafted Creed Humphrey in the second round. Mm-hmm. I found Braxton Jones in the fifth. This is a good center class. It's not typically a position that goes in the first round, but when I, that 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 pick, and it would be it would be a cruel thing to never give Justin Fields a good center and then give it right away. I, well, it, and maybe trade Justin Fields for that for a draft pick that you use on a center to give to Caleb Williams. That makes me think that that is maybe the path that this is going to go down, that it's going to be he's not going to trade back into the first round or give up crazy assets for it, Mm -hmm. but if he's going to get a second-round pick from Atlanta or Pittsburgh or Vegas, if people believe what Luke Getze is saying, or all that stuff, that he will use that pick on the center for Caleb Williams. The trade down from nine really interests me these days because the wide receivers, the best three wide receivers are likely to be gone by nine and going for Keon Coleman, who I like a lot, or whoever your next wide receiver would be at nine might be a reach. I could see the trade down to like 14. Like if you can get a couple of picks, yeah, you know, and you can add a pick that way. If you trade down, I mean, maybe you can, you can, if there's, if there's somebody super desirable there, if somebody wants to jump up and get a quarterback quarterback, I'm looking at you Raiders and JJ McCarthy, Maybe you can trade down, and then you can get that second-round pick that way if you don't get it for Fields. Okay, that makes sense. I, I think that's it's absolutely right. Um, there is a – those are the rookies. Yeah. Now, here's Olin on some of the options in the draft, yes, but also free agency at center. Well, I, obviously, I've seen some film on the Oregon kid, and, and I got to look look for his name, Jackson Powers, but – um, he's very good, right? He he is a, he's a very good center. He's athletic. He gets on a second level. He makes game-changing blocks. He can handle himself at the pivot. By that, I mean he can handle himself in the middle against big nose guards. He doesn't get pushed back. Uh, uh, he keeps the pocket clean for the quarterback. I really, really like his game. I can't say I've looked at a ton of guys. I know Brian Allen, a guy I know well. Uh, the, the Rams just released him. I know the, um, the Chicago Bears offered him a contract a few years back. Ryan Poles did and wanted him here. Uh, he's had some injury issues. You'd obviously have to put some kind of protection for the team in there uh, for his injuries. He's a good center when healthy. If he can get himself moving in the right direction, he would be the exact kind of guy in Coach Morgan's scheme, and that's why they went after him. With his athleticism, uh, with the way he can point out calls, and he is a veteran, he's the kind of guy you want. The problem is, I know there's a guy from the Miami Dolphins also. The problem is a lot of these guys coming in with injuries, right, coming off of injuries. Can they stay healthy? Uh, can you take a good young center to learn from them? And, and, and he's your valuable backup. You just never, never know uh, when you're looking at these guys. But I, I got to be honest with you. When you're talking about the draft, when you talk about free agency, it reminds me of my fisheries one-on-one course in college. 
a lot more than I bargained for when you look at all the information, so I don't do it. Oh, okay. So- no, that, that works. Sorry about fisheries, man. That must have Man, you didn't know a mollusk had so many names, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about Connor Williams, who had the torn yeah. ACL in week 14. That's the Dolphins yep. guy. Any of these mm-hmm. other guys, Andre James, the former Raider, Lloyd Cushenberry mm-hmm. of the Broncos, Aaron Brewer of the Titans. Like the any- Aaron Brewer is a good football player. I-, I like Aaron Brewer. I've watched some of his film. I think he would match in-, in Coach Morgan's scheme. He's a name to look for. He's blocked in this outside zone down there at Tennessee for a while. He does a nice job reaching guys. He's the kind of guy that you think Coach Morgan, with their outside zone scheme, he's the kind of guy to go after. Really like his game. I think he's a good football player. He's a good young center, and he'd be matched up with Nate Davis again. I think they know each other. So Aaron Brewer, if, if I think if they'd go after a veteran uh, NFL free agent center, I think he'd probably be the guy. Good stuff there. Aaron Brewer, Aaron Brewer was undrafted in 2020 and worked his way up as an interior lineman to the eventual starting center for the Tennessee Titans. Um, which the, Bear, is- the Bears also hired Jason Hodling as their assistant offensive line coach from the Titans. Well, that's great. And Nate Davis is obviously already here, as uh-huh. o- as Olin mentioned. So His, it, uh, nickname's Hoss. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that, that's 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 vital because then you can actually scout a guy because right. So they, if they bring him in, uh-huh. they have a coach on staff who worked with him as he's risen up through the NFL. In searching some stuff for Aaron Brewer, the Titans center today, I found a Titans blog. It's been a tough year for Aaron Brewer. Oh, it's from December. It includes this. Uh, Aaron Brewer leads the league in pressures allowed and tied for second most sacks among all centers. Now, that's obviously PFF grades, and we know what J.J. Watt thinks about that. But anyway, if you've got the assistant offensive line coach from Tennessee and you've got Nate Davis, they could tell fact from fiction on some of the grades there because obviously on an offensive line, it's contingent on all sorts of things. Yeah, also, right, maybe better in a zone-blocking scheme. Um, 500-plus snaps, three consecutive years. Aaron Brewer played guard mm-hmm. and then has transitioned more to center. So he would fit the idea of positional versatility, even though you are prioritizing center, but he has been a center. So I think that that name that that you were running down the list, so yep. you, you gave the name, but Olin with the endorsement, I, I do think it makes sense if they go the veteran route more so than going, hey, Connor Williams – you're a guy who maybe is more highly regarded and we should consider it, but you ruptured your ACL in December. Is he going to be ready for September one? I, I don't know. You know, like that's a, that's a pretty a, a big investment on an injured vet. Right. And then you're right. Tevin Jenkins has injury problems. Yeah. Nate Davis had and availability. You and you don't want to be rotating. Like they need two guys who can play the position because they're getting rid of both Lucas Patrick and Cody Whitehair. Yeah. And I assume they're going to get rid of uh, Feeney, right? Dan Feeney uh, as well. So that's, that's your three at this point, unless Doug Kramer with all his grody uh, delivered bears is going to be somebody they consider and hell, maybe it is the former Illinois center. But they'll need to get a couple. But you don't want to – I don't think you want to do something with that, with Connor Williams when you're not positive he's going to be your guy from day one at training camp because that whoever it is needs to be the guy with your rookie, if that's what you do, from day one at training camp. Yeah, it'll be – it's an interesting thing, though, right? Because Connor Williams, I think 20 – is he 27? Um, but Matt Bowen at 26, uh, if they say, okay, whatever, problems with training camp or – 
first six games or whatever, we're in this for the next five years with the guy, and he's clearly the best person to pair with Caleb Williams. I don't think that they'll care about the first six games if they're building this thing, you know, with a rookie quarterback for the next decade because Matt Bowen says Connor Williams, his top guy at the position. Connor Williams from Miami. Now, look, I dropped him down. He's only 27 years old. I dropped him down to number 43, and the reason is he had an ACL injury in December. Okay, so anytime we're looking at a player, you know, one thing you have to look at is age and injuries, obviously. But when did the injury occur, right? So someone like Connor Williams, you have to account for he's not going to be ready for minicamp, not going to be ready for OTAs. When is he probably going to be ready for training camp? But as we've discussed before with a knee injury, look, it's much different. Uh, Lawrence, if we're talking about a wide receiver, defensive back, right? Talking about an interior offensive lineman. But again, what are his traits? He's someone that is excellent in in space. He's more of a positional blocker. But especially when he climbs to the second level, he's very good. So how does a knee impact him? But again, if you're the Bears, you might get a discount on him because of that injury. When this guy is healthy, he's a pretty good football player. And and that's, you know, there's a reason free agency is before the draft, right? Because you're going to find guys who are pro-ready, who have pro-tape, have a ton of reps and a ton of experience that you can put into your system right away and you know they can play at a high level with where a young player, we see it all the time. It takes time to develop. Look at Tyreek Stevenson this year. Look at the first half of the season, the game tape versus the second half of the season. Much different player in the second half. What you expect, that gradual, that gradual development. But you need that development, especially at center on day one. So it, it's it's good stuff. I don't know. It's the, a, they're the, they're split, Matt. Right, Matt Bowen seems to be veteran, and mm-hmm. and, and Olin seems to be draft. Yeah, it's interesting. I, absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting because I don't think you need to get a discount in terms of free agency if you're the Bears. I mean, I guess you could want one, but you're what second? You're third in cap space, and the cap is also going up. Yeah, but you ca- cap goes up every year. You mm-hmm. you always want a discount if you can get it. You, no matter how much money you have, right? Reinsdorf's looking for a subsidy for a stadium. It doesn't, doesn't matter how much money you have, you 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 know you want cheap. So yeah, may, may, but it's it's not a good free agent class for center. No, and it, it is and not. Like this is what I come back to. It's not a good free agent class for center, and it is a good draft for center. So it's much more likely to me that Ryan Poles, who has had success in hitting on a center for a highly coveted, very valuable player. Mm-hmm. If he trusted Mahomes to do it, why wouldn't he trust it for Caleb Williams? I, I, I think he's going to find his guy. And if it is Jackson Powers Johnson, he'll find a way. Maybe it's your guy, Zach Frazier. Maybe it's the, the guy I mentioned from uh, Wisconsin, Tanner Bartolini. There's, there's others. The, the kid from Georgia, Cedric Van Pran, was number one going into the season, and he's now dropped to three or four, depending on the rankings. But... I, I think your instinct is right on on polls that he's going to find a guy because he's going to want to pair Caleb with his dude from day one of camp. Like, let's learn together. Let's connect. Let's let's make it happen because they got to be lockstep. Yeah, but I don't. It's hard for me to imagine it being in the first round. Yeah, me too. I think, but, I think so. so, I, so I think, could, I think, could even be round three. I mean, hell, he he drafted Braxton Braxton in Jones in the fifth and and plugged him in. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, he won a battle, but he loved him. Like he 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 thinks he knows linemen, and this is a key spot he's and a got key a, moment. He's got a pretty good track record for it. Darnell Wright is a hell of a pick. Darnell Wright's a hell of a pick. Braxton Jones is a hell of a pick. Found a home for Tevin Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. He's he's got he's got a 
Now, I know Brett Veach gets credit for that, and it's tough to know exactly, but those are draft picks, and yeah. he was the director of college scouting, and he was a former offensive lineman, and he was credited publicly with having influence in those picks. Like he, He's got a pretty impressive draft tra- track record with offensive linemen in the NFL for, at two stops. I think he's going to do it with either a second-round pick they acquire or maybe a third. Find find a guy and, and, and plug him in. Okay. Well, so then down the road, we're going to have to do – a deeper uh, center dive. On, ju- on just rookie prospects at the center position mm-hmm. that don't include the name Powers Johnson because they're not they don't have a pick in his range right. and it seems very unlikely that that's going to happen. So everyone's going to say that name. Oh, I'd be great. It'd be great. It'd be great. It'd be great. <sighs> but can you imagine the excitement for the listeners right now, knowing that they're going to get a deeper dive down the center? Prospect this is why list. Cole's position is so popular. I mean, my I'm, God. I'm curious to see where USC's center falls in draft boards. Like, you know, if that's a guy that that Caleb Williams might like, you may be able to get him later, and you can maybe skip a step in terms of the acclimation process. That's a good point. And, and they do run a relatively pro style, as I learned from our guy Chase Daniels' film breakdown of Caleb Williams last night, which is mm-hmm. on YouTube. But yeah, they they run a pro style, so maybe there's a little less of a you know a shorter learning curve there for the USC center and Caleb Williams. That's interesting. I have not seen um, that particular Justin uh, position. Dedic, Dedic, D E D I C H. Yeah, I honestly do not know. Yeah, I you don't see a lot of botch snaps on his uh, highlight reels. Just, <laughs> There's not a lot of oh, a snap over his head that makes him, you know an improv move there. You know, yeah, uh, he's listed at uh, number 495 uh, from NFLDraftBuzz.com. Caleb Williams, number two, by the way. I have to assume that Marvin Harrison Jr. is number one. I, I would assume. so. I'm looking at the list of USC prospects. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would assume so. Okay, well, that was uh, that was productive. I thought so. All right. The USC connection is interesting to think about. We'll get there when we go to the draft wide receivers. Jerry Rice's kid, Brendan Rice. You know, it's a, he's number 67. Well, yeah, USC guy doesn't sound very good, though. We all learn together in this segment. That's the beauty of it. 495, you said? That's for the center. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got a big name dropper event coming to Chicago this weekend. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk experts date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Doing it and doing it and doing it. Afternoons on the score. So we're at Sirius, right? Which was the, the bar at the bottom of the board of the trade building, right? It was packed. It was just like, oh, right? All Blackhawk fans and cousin who was there. Savvy. Oh, no, he not. no, 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 no. It does not stop there. Chelios, Melbourne, let's go, right? <laughs> Finally got Steph to start watching it, by the way. We're four episodes in. Oh, that's tremendous. So, so you're getting to do a rewatch of the bear. Yeah, I, want, I wanted to do the rewatch before season three. She missed it the first go around with me. And uh, finally, you know what? It's time. We're doing it. They were doing the shoots in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, they obviously swept the Emmys and so motivated to do it. So we're four episodes into the rewatch. So um, it, I saw this the other day and I ended up talking about it with a friend of mine who is a prop master. That's his job and his life. He lives out in LA and he's been the prop master on a bunch of TV shows and movies and stuff. Shane, did you see this, that the prop master for the bear is apparently a vegan? And so they have to drive around meat and like various cooking things and just like to be the prop master on the bear and have to and be vegan while it's, that'd be a conflict it, it, it just it's kind of a difficult difficult putt well here's my question then my follow-up to that does your friend the prop master eat his props <laughs> no <laughs> all right i <laughs> bet they're clear uh, all right but you know, I've heard a million stories from my Delicious friend, the prop props. master. He'd be good for an Ask a Blank. He's got good prop master stories from Hollywood. This is the time for Ask a, Ask a Blank. For anyone who doesn't know what Ask a Blank is, it was a, I'll say it, high idea of, like, <laughs> we should just interview people yeah. like we'd interview shortstops and point guards yeah. about people who have interesting jobs. Uh-huh. Ask what do we do? We ask a pawn shop owner. I think it was born. Of, oh yeah, we Dawn, did. I, we did. We, it was it, born of Dawn the produce lady. Dawn the lady produce lady because she Whole was Foods. so interesting. She was fascinating. Had a lot of takes on avocados and peaches. Yeah, we. Th- I met a pawn shop owner. We talked to that guy. I've yeah, I still got an FBI agent, a former FBI agent, in my phone. We could do Man, it for ask a blank. There's lots of possibilities for that segment. Lots of blanks out there. A lot of blanks out there. <laughs> a lot of blanks you can interview. Yeah, but it's just it's tough. It, a tough sell they can be duds at times mm-hmm. uh but anyway we need to find a sponsor for ask a blank um gun shop you know <laughs> oh it that no firing blanks no yeah no. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah yeah not gonna take it's just that the first blank that I thought it's a, of. yeah it's okay. a reasonable blank it's just an improv blank that's it's all an it improv was. blank wow we really shut you down there there's a lot of yes and and soliciting. <laughs> was a, lot, a lot of no buts yeah, yeah. that's no okay buts. that's all right um so I'm listening to I, I when I drop off Owen at his school Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, I drop him at the same time, and so every Wednesday, you know, we're normally listening to like music or songs or talking on the way to school, and then when I drop him off, turn on the score, 
Because don't subject him to to the score on the way to school. You don't make him listen to Mully and Hall. No, nah, he likes to. He, he, he wants to talk. All right, I always say, do you want to listen to music, buddy, or not? And then we, you know, follow his lead. And uh, sometimes it's gin and juice. Sometimes it's life is a highway. It is fun though having your kids experience the score, especially during crosstalk. Like during summer camp, I drive my kid around, and it was always during the crosstalk when they do the introductions, and Bernstein gets the sad trombone. That's a fun. And moment. At first, my daughter was like, "Why are they doing that? That's so sad." <laughs> and then a few more minutes listening, she's like, "Oh, I get it." Yeah, right, right, right. It took her exactly one time to understand. Those were uh, um, Danny just mentioned two songs. Did you guys hear that? Like he knows a couple of different songs. Yeah, and has a relationship with music that he doesn't share. I have a playlist in my phone called "Kids Bangers." Yeah, uh, that are songs for the kids. There's only eight songs on it. Yeah, but that's one of life's great joys. I started a playlist for Ruben when he was a youngster, and I was driving him around, and now I think there's like 200 songs on it, and he's got that for the rest of his life. And I can always say, hey, man, when you were three, you loved this deep U2 track off of War. You did, you know? That's awesome. Easy recommend, by the way, for you parents of young kids out there. Start a playlist, and then they have it forever. Yeah. Uh yeah, everything is off of like a movie that he's seen, except for gin and juice and nothing but a G thing. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, just I can't believe you you have uh, I, Justin and Fluce. You don't it, have Justin it's not and Fluce instead uh, of gin and juice. Anyway, the point is on Wednesdays I always hear Chelios, and I whenever I listen to Chelios with Molly and Hall, I'm like, this guy literally knows everybody. He really does. He it, it is he knows. Everybody. And the man has partied for a long time at a high level. And this Wednesday was maybe, of all of the name-dropping segments that he's done, he's got the jersey retirement, and it was obviously uh, uh, unveiled to him by Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam that the Hawks were retiring his, his number. Mm-hmm. Listen to who he said was going to be there. They're going to be here to support me. I'm gonna, this, I got a pretty good Rolodex over the span of my career, so I'm, gonna, I'm loading up. I'm telling you, this might, this is the last hurrah, and I'm going to make it a good one. Might there be any other of your famous friends on the ice or in the <laughs> building on Sunday? The way some rumors are suggesting that a certain guy who might have a statue outside the United Center might be there as well. Well, I think that the cat's out of the bag. Like I said, I'm going to have and try uh, bring everybody I possibly can that's had an impact on me. And obviously, he was a big part of my 90s. We, you know, Michael was there since 83. I got there in 91, and I met him that uh, spring at a White Sox game with George Kohler, his assistant. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, like I said, I, I hope they're going to be here to support me. I'm going to this. I got a pretty good Rolodex over the span of my career. So I'm going to I'm loading up. I'm telling you, this, might, this is the last hurrah and I'm going to make it a good one. Oh, boy. That is tantalizing. Michael Jordan's going to be there for Chelios, uh-huh. but not the Ring of Honor for the Bulls. Oh, man. Tough look. I'm just saying. It's a tough look. It's kind of crazy. He did send a statement. He did yeah, send a statement. Beautiful message. <laughs> it was a lo- it was a lovely message. <laughs> but he also sent audio of himself booing for Jerry Krause. <laughs> no, 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 no. That is fake that. news. That is not true. What do you mean? Vacation? He says he needs a vacation. He needs some time off to let loose. <laughs> so, yeah. So who else is going to be in town? So it's got to be. If, the, if, I mean, if, the mind wanders. If 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 Vetter unveiled it to him. Uh huh. Veteran Michael Jordan is a very strong start to the Chris Chelios weekend ceremony. I would agree. Right? I, I, I would right. agree. Chelly likes uh Chelly likes music. Chelly likes uh parties. Okay. So 
All right. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of parties. He talked. He was talking about you know after parties and after after parties. Mm-hmm. He was he was letting that cat out of the bag a little bit too uh, in his conversation with Mullion Haw. You think Vince Vaughn will be there? Oh, that's a good question. Like that was that was I was thinking about like, Chicago sports fan. We know he's a huge Hawks fan, uh-huh. but you don't really see him around much. Like I, I, Vince Vaughn should be courtside at every Bulls game. Kind of crazy that he isn't, other than the fact that he doesn't live here year round. I think that's the issue. That's probably the reason. But I'm just saying he should be at more. He's too, he's too busy playing golf with JB Smoove and, and Larry David. <laughs> he should just yes, exactly. He should just be at more Chicago sporting events. Uh-huh. But feels like Vince Vaughn will be at this thing. I have no inside information on that, but it just feels like Vince Vaughn's going to make an appearance. Yeah, I uh, that that's a good guess. That's got a good any guess. other? Yeah, get any guesses? Anybody have guesses at who Chelios is Rolodex? And Shane, do you think Chelios is a better Rolodex than you? I think he's got a stronger Rolodex than me. Yeah, you do. All right, I'm going to take yeah. a shot here. Okay, Ron Coomer, <laughs> Coom Dog, Coom Dog leaving Zona to come in. Just a guess. It's a All good right. guess. Mid broadcast with Speaks. Okay. Coom leaves leaves Arizona <laughs> to come celebrate Chelios. All right. Texters are making some good guesses here. Who do they have? CM Punk. Oh, that's pretty good. Bill Murray. Uh, yeah, that's good. How about John Cusack? John Cusack's yeah. classic, like, Chicago sports friend pal. I'd assume Chelly got close with Theo when Theo was here. Oh, uh, yeah, they're tight. Yeah, I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen them front row at Wrigley together before. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. the, yeah that's, a good, that's a good point. So when Shelly got into the Hall of Fame in Toronto, I just Googled it, in 2013, uh, John McEnroe was there. All right. C- Cindy Crawford was there. Cindy Crawford. Yeah. And, you know, so... And apparently Kid Rock was there as well. So Shelly, Shelly's got the eclectic crowd. That's for the Hall of Fame in 2013. All right. So this could be quite a weekend this, in Chicago. This is going to be a big weekend. And, and by the way, it's a good Hawks game. It's Patrick Kane coming back in town. And Bedard's back. And Bedard's wow, back. just for Chelios? Play, <laughs> and playing his ass off. Bedard's playing his ass off. Some of the stick handling is absurd. What, do you have 11 shots last night? He didn't score, but he had a ton of shots. I mean, that Hawks game on Sunday is the sports happening of the Chicago weekend, without a doubt. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe the month. Of the month. Probably the sports happening yeah. of, of the month. Gretzky. I ain't got to figure Gretzky will make an appearance. You think so? Yeah, why not? Dennis Rodman. Apparently they know each other. Oh, I God. mean, the guy's selling a $70 million house in Malibu. He knows everybody. The names that he drops in his weekly appearance with Mully and Har are just ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know it was a seventy million. Yeah, his house is seventy million dollars. When I li- when I lived out there in L.A. for a couple years, was it two thousand seven, two thousand eight? I saw him playing hockey, like roller hockey, rollerblade hockey, on the beach at Venice Beach, Chelly, with Luke Robitaille. He's got a good life. Yeah, I mean that was <laughs> he was just hanging out, living his life in L.A. And he bought, in Ma- he bought in Malibu early. Yeah. And yeah, he's got a, he's got a house. He's done well. He's done on, well on the ocean yeah. in Malibu. That's a compound. It's seventy million dollars. I've never tried the chili. I gotta be. I gotta be. I, I, but I would love to. It's Parker's Spiegel on the score. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours. The energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. I don't know what's going on with any of it. Afternoons on the score. Yes, it is also Patrick Kane's return. Big event. It was fun to be in the, at the at the UC to see Bedard. So you add in Patrick Kane yeah, and man. that nostalgia, and then you add in Chris Chelios and that nostalgia, and then you add in the celebrity factor. Yeah. That's a legitimate A-list hockey event. Yeah. You add in the score, Kaiser Tiger, before the game. That's a good point. And Chelly's going to be coming by there. I know. He's going to be hanging out a little bit there. It's going to be a long day for Chelly, but I love that, the score's there. Yeah, it's uh, Mo- Molly and Hall are doing the broadcast. Kaiser Tiger, noon to three. That's 1415 West Randolph. BetMGM will also be celebrating by offering a $7 bonus bet to all customers in Illinois. BetMGM, the king of sports books. Kaiser Tiger, good spot. Had some fun there. I've not b- been. Before, before the UC. Good beer list. Excellent. Yeah, good beer list. Good yeah. food. Yeah, good spot. Yeah, so is this the first, like, uh, big Blackhawks event game of Bedard's rookie season other than his debut? debut. Yeah, probably yeah. other than the debut. But For it, him, obviously, playing Crosby on the road. It's, yeah. it's, it's nice to have that option back as a showcase kind of sports event in this town. It's nice yeah. to have that, that, that sport and that team back around as an as an option. Yeah, well, no, because the team is bad. It, it, the team is bad. So, so you need stuff like this to, sure. make, to make it feel like an event. But Bedard's good, and they're figuring a couple things out. They, they have a lot of bad players, but Bedard is a running mate now. This kid, Philip Kurashev. Yeah. And I heard him talking about like the joy of playing with Bedard. He said it's fun as hell because you always have to be ready. Uh, a pass could find your stick at any time. He says it's a really fun, the most fun he's had playing hockey in a long time. Well, joining us now on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline is a huge Hawks fan, but he's not here to talk about that. He's our friend. He supports us, so we support him. David Hochberg. What's up, David? Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Hey, boys. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to come on. Yeah, it. no, absolutely. Like you, you support our philanthropic work, so we'll always uh, support yours. This is now an annual thing for you. What do you got going on? Yeah, fourth annual uh, Vestathon. For some unknown reason, the city of Chicago does not buy replacement bulletproof vests for the men and women of the Chicago police force. So I thought it was backwards and just ridiculous and didn't make any sense. So I partnered with Matt O'Shea over the past six years. We've done a radio show. This will be our fourth radio show just dedicated to raising funds and awareness. So the men and women of the Chicago police force who can't afford to buy their own bulletproof vest, which is in and of itself ridiculous, um, can go to the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation to get a replacement vest. So uh, it's this Saturday. I've got a show on WGN from 10 until 1, and we're just going to be dedicating the entire show to raise funds for that uh, for that cause. So it must bring you joy to do, but it's heavy, right? I mean, because you're, you're, like, hearing stories about – you know, uh, about cops who haven't had vests, and you're talking about the importance of why these guys need it. It's got to be heavy, David. Well, yeah, well, it's not the most uh, entertaining show in the world, but it, it's a show that needs to be done. That's this um, one. That's, yeah, this yeah, one. You, that's why you call it our show. You're on this one, sir. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not doing backflips and doing Cirque du Soleil acts during those three hours, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 
which would put me in traction for about a year and a half. But no, in all seriousness, we've got um, we've got Police Chief uh, Superintendent Snelling coming on. We've got Aaron Bauer, the um, widowed wife of Commander Bauer, who was shot and killed at the State of Illinois building. We've got Officer Kurth, who was shot and saved uh, his life saved the day he received his replacement bulletproof vest there was an incident and he was shot and uh the the vest protected him there we have another officer's wife uh who got killed in the line of duty who is going to come on and talk about all of the things that the chicago police memorial foundation has done for their family um you see here's the deal guys okay and, and now i'm all fired up because now it's just it it, it 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 hit a nerve so every single police force surrounding Chicago, including the, the Illinois State Police, gets bulletproof vests to give bulletproof vests to their officers when they graduate the academy and when they join the force and after five years, because it needs to be replaced every five years. And we've got the manufacturer's representative from the bulletproof vest company going to come on at the beginning of the show to explain why the officers need new vests after five years, whether body styles change, sweat, all the stuff. The bulletproof material gets um, worn down and degrade, uh, degraded after a certain number of years. So I don't, it really frustrates me. And you're a sports station. You've got a billionaire going to the state of Illinois for $1.2 billion. And we can't figure out how to invest $4 million in our Chicago police officers to protect them while the the 11,000 Chicago police officers. So it just gets me fired up. It's so ridiculous with everything else going on in the city and, and in the state, and somebody's got to do it, and I've taken up the cost. Well, it's good that you have it. I also just would love to understand how the, the budget is large, so it's not like we have a small police budget. So I don't really understand how the, the vests are not a part of the budget, but how, how can our listeners support you? I know you said you have the show Saturday 10 to 1. How, how do they donate? How do they participate? Yeah, so I appreciate it again. You could go, our listeners could go to CPD for Chicago Police Department, CPDVest.com. CPDVest.com. A bulletproof vest, guys, costs about $500. Okay? Chicago Police Memorial Foundation was set up, and the purpose is to take care of officers who are injured in the line of duty to take care of their families. And to also take care of the families of officers who gave the ultimate sacrifice and died in the line of duty to take care of their families, go to school, pay for college, weddings, all that stuff, right? Holiday time, they're there, all that stuff. There is a line item in the budget for replacement bulletproof vests for Chicago police officers who can't afford to buy a vest. Our goal is, and my goal has always been, to raise enough money to purchase 400 vests. All right, that's 200 Gs. So they could take the line item in the budget and move it over towards providing services to the families of injured Chicago police officers and officers that were killed in the line of duty. Now, I understand the times are tough, right? I see credit reports every single day. I know how tough it is for some. But if you could give five bucks, right, 100 people giving five bucks, we get a vest. And my goal is very simple, to, to buy 400 vests for the men and women who protect us, and for everybody that's, that's living in the suburbs, guys, okay, you step foot in the 606 zip code, the men and women in blue of the Chicago Police Department are protecting you. You fly in and out of O'Hare or Midway, you get off of that plane, the men and women of the Chicago Police Department 
are protecting you. You come downtown for a game, right? You leave the United Center, there's police officers all over that building to see a Hawks, a Bulls game, a concert. And you're from Naperville, you're from St. Charles, you know, you're up by me in Northbrook, you're out south in Oakland, Oak Park, you know, Dalton, wherever you're at. Chicago Police Department's got your back. So we're just trying to raise funds and awareness. I appreciate you giving me, you know, time on your show. I know you talk sports all the time, but I appreciate you giving me opportunity here. Uh, it's cpdvest.com. Uh, three hours of, of a pretty deep show this Saturday. We've got the Emerald Society taking us in and out of breaks with the bumpers, with the bagpipes, and and the and the drum set there. So it's kind of cool. We got Father Brandt, who's the who's one of the chaplains of the Chicago Police Department, who's not right in many ways. He's awesome, but but he's got a screw loose. He's going to be taking us in, um, uh, giving a um, and he got to listen at least at at twelve forty five to listen to this guy. He, he's going to talk to us about what it's like going into a home of an officer that was injured or recently died in, in the line and, and take us there and then take us out with a prayer with the bagpipes playing in the background. So um, if your listeners could tune in, great. If they can't, that's fine, too. If they could just give whatever they – a couple of shekels to uh, cpdvest.com, that would really help out the cause so we could take that money from the line item – of the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation and take it over to provide the families. And 100% of the funds raised, guys, goes towards the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation. We're not taking a VIG off the top for any type of administration, BS like that. Everything we raise goes right there. We've got uh, autographed sweaters from Chelios, uh, Eddie, Eddie uh, Edzo. I, taught, I texted with Eddie. He's going to sign Savard and, and, and uh, Troy Murray, along with signed footballs from Dan Hampton, uh, we got uh, Bandito, El Bandito, five bottles of El Bandito tequila that Chelio signed. So we got some stuff to raise some funds that uh, your listeners might be interested in giving them out during the show. But thank you for giving me the opportunity to call into your show and promote this very, very, very important uh, uh, Vestathon this Saturday. Hockberg, thanks for always supporting us, man. We will support you. Thank you. That is David Hockberg again, cpdvest.com. You mentioned the billionaire, Jerry Reinsdorf. The quotes in this article are <laughs> so brazen and so wild, it almost reads like it's the onion. It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Parkinson Spiegel Show. Spend some time with our friends Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel. Yes. Afternoons on the score. Well, first of all, somebody at Cranes decided that he wanted to write that the whites, that you're looking at the Bears at the White Sox lease, you know, has six or seven years left to go, and the White Sox have some options, and they might move out of the city, they might move out of town, they might go to Nashville. That wasn't us. That was a guy at Cranes. Now, ever since the article came out, well, I've been reading about that. I've been threatening to move the team to Nashville. I mean, that, that article didn't come from me, but it's obvious if we have six years left, I think that's what it is. We got to decide. Are we, you know, what's what's the future going to be? And you know, we'll 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 get to it. But I've never I've never threatened to move out. We we haven't even begun to have uh, discussions with the sports authority, which we will have to do soon. That was from the last Jerry Reinsdorf press conference. Is someone at Cranes? It's pesky people at Cranes. Mm. Just keep reporting. That was an epic day, wasn't on it? What he's doing. Remember, remember that day. When all of a sudden he decided to speak, because we had we had done segments leading up to that of like, when's the last time Jerry like spoke to assembled baseball media? Because he's he's as big as it gets in town. 
still. Like, and the specter of his personality has hung over two franchises for this long. And to get a chance to ask him questions and talk to him is very, very, very rare. And that day, what I mean, that, some of the most compelling live radio I've ever been a part of, you and me sitting here and just listening to that and Tanny letting us stop it every once in a while and just kind of talk about it and discuss it. Textures were freaking out. Listeners were freaking out because you don't hear him. You don't hear him talk. And he was so completely... Above everything, and able- I lost my train of thought. I feel like Mitch McConnell. Oh God, that was a great moment. Uh, well, th- that was- you know, I heard on some telecast or podcast or something that I inadvertently watched, <laughs> which is how it works. That's what happens with podcasts. You just inadvertently consume them. Now go ahead and ask me whatever you want to ask me, and I'll answer whatever I feel like. I mean, it's so smug. Well, can I remember for like months leading up to that, man, I was saying, I was like, you know, it kind of dawned on me that he's never spoken on the record since I'd been doing this job. Yeah, we, we did the research. We're asking <laughs> Sully, asking others. And it was like, yeah, sometime in the 90s. Yeah. yeah I was like, <laughs> well, wait, what? Uh-huh. Wait, really? Not, not, a, not a quote, not a, not a comment on a thing like that. That had happened. But, but a. An open press conference where reporters could ask him questions. Come sit down in the dugout and have everybody come over and let's talk. How often is Tom Ricketts available? Often. Often available. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was crazy. That was a crazy thing. Then And it didn't go well for him that day in terms no. of the public response and everything. So when he speaks, when he opens his mouth, it's often very, very damaging because of the smugness and, uh, and the ruthlessness and tone deafness and, of it all. And, and, and I, will, I will say this, and I guess it's to be fair to Reinsdorf but to, and, and Ricketts and all. It's just not a sympathetic class of people. Tom Ricketts is an accessible owner who buys beers with fans and sits in the stands and gives interviews and gives press conferences. And he gave a press conference a couple of days ago, and I didn't love it. (laughs) I don't want to say anything about what the White Sox are doing. You know, so I'm just being honest. It it is very— Oh, yeah, it's it's tough for them to come off well. (laughs) It's just just hard. And you know why? They have a billion-plus dollars. And so that's just like their—that's their lot of life. It's hard for those of us who don't to really— Exactly. Exactly. So I will just say— Oh, for you. There are not many— Yeah, the original's better. They're not—like, Jerry Jones— he talks a lot. Oh yeah, it doesn't. It's not great. It doesn't do him a lot of good. <laughs> it's, Mark Cuban in sports, generally one speaking, the, does pretty good. One of the rare ones. Yeah, has had some tough moments. So, yes. uh, some awful moments. Yeah, yes. the, the lawsuits of workplace and conduct getting oh, yeah, gr- no, getting horrific. grilled by Rachel Nichols. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, he's. But generally speaking, when the billionaire sports owner speaks. It doesn't go over well with the masses, with the common person. Yeah, and this is a tricky moment because what Jerry's trying to do here is very aggressive, and he's really being very deliberate about it. I mean, when remember when the whole thing got leaked to the Sun-Times? It was all there. It was all there, all the drawings, everything. Nobody heard about it, and then poof, there it is. It's all there. You see the Bears playing catch-up. Oh, no, we're really interested in, in, in being on the lakefront. Well, maybe we should work together, uh, you know, said, said Kevin Warren. Meanwhile, Jerry's already down in Springfield trying to hustle this along through the spring legislative session. The fall might be too late, I heard Mark Gannis say the other day. Well, because he says in this Cranes thing, I don't want to be in competition with the McCaskies. Yeah. No, you want to beat them. 
You want to beat him. <laughs> you want to you want to win before it is a competition. But he also says in there that he's spoken to the McCaskies, which is interesting because he and Michael used to hate each other, but it's apparently not the case with with George, perhaps. So, but anyway. So I want to read at least two of these quotes here, and the phone lines are open. And talk to Shane and Tanny about it as as lifelong white. You Sox suspect fans. those guys will be triggered by some of these I, quotes from Jerry? Well, in this important moment of messaging, I got Jerry, one in particular. <laughs> did Jerry mess it up? The first, <sighs> the first quote, the when he says basically that the team cannot succeed at its present location. Quote: The economics of baseball have completely changed referencing the top ball players signed contracts worth as much as 700 million dollars quote at the location we're at now we cannot generate the revenue needed to pay those salaries he said referring to the residential bridgeport uh, bridgeport home he said even after winning the world series in 2005 quote we didn't crack the three million attendance mark Something that World Series winners routinely accomplish. Oh, my God. He's crapping on you, the Sox fans, for not showing up enough in 2006, let alone all these years where but, he gave you a garbage product. But what, Is there an apology like just mm-hmm. below that in the quotes? It's like, hey, to all the uh, season ticket holders like my father who held on to those tickets well after maybe he should have. Like, Is there like, hey, sorry that we didn't give you a competitive ball club in those years following the World Series other than the outlier 2008? You know? is, there, is there like, hey, sorry we didn't put more money into the payroll to keep that good core afloat and maybe have another crack at at the commissioner's trophy. Is there anything like that in there? It was left out. It was left out. It must have been chopped for for space. But you know what's amazing? He cites the three million mark. Yeah. Do you guys know what they drew in two thousand six? No, I was just going to see two point four something. Two point nine. Two point nine. Two point nine five. <laughs> two million nine hundred thousand fifty or two hundred ninety. Uh, Wow. 106. Hey, no, no, yeah, I, I two, got it right here. 112, yeah. 129, 101, 126, 148, 116, 152, yeah. 117, 103. I apologize. Uh-huh. 2,957,414 fans. They were ninth in MLB in attendance. They, they drew 89.9% of their uh, potential capacity, which put them eighth overall third, in all of baseball. Third in the American League. It's the Darren Erstad effect, baby. You bring in, in DE to lead off in 2006. But I, mean, they, I think that was the year after, but this was like... I don't think so. But, but they, they ran Frank Thomas out of town, and you still managed to get all those people coming to the ballpark. I mean, they have had an attendance problem often throughout history, but blaming the fans for their attendance problem is some of the worst public relations I have ever heard. That's not how you do it. But it's been baked into their product for as long as I've been a fan. Seemingly, like, you hear it from every level. Every level of the organization. if we had a little more fan support, you know. Dude, just looking at the data, it is a direct correlation, which we know if you build it, they will come. If you build the winning product, the fans will come. And so you won 90 games in 06, third in the American League. 72 games, 72 wins in 07, you're still fifth in baseball in attendance, averaging 33,000 a game, mm. two point, nearly 2.7 million people. Uh, next year, uh, the 08 season that you referenced, 2.5 million, fifth, and then a bunch of losing seasons where you see ninth in the American League, 10th in the American League, a couple of 13ths in the American League in terms of attendance. But then... 2020, I know it was a COVID year, 
But when they were allowed to have, so what, it says third in attendance, but then the next year, 2021, fifth again in baseball. What did you do that year? 93 wins. Fifth in the American League. Fifth in the American League. Yeah, in the American it, League. I mean, but look, I mean, by but 2021, that, that's who you're competing with. Yeah, but 2021 and 2022, I'm sure he thought that attendance would have been better. Uh, but because that was, you know, that, that's that's some of your your winning window time. That's what it's supposed to be. And they're 13th in 2021 with 1.5 mil. But but whatever, you've got issues, and it's not just the neighborhood or the ballpark. But by the way, the ballpark is 100% your fault for all the choices you made. You just can't, you can't blame the neighborhood and the ballpark when you're the one that chose the neighborhood and the ballpark. So that quote is obviously not going to go over well. And then there is... Says the team will almost certainly be sold after his death, and the big money is in the hands of outsiders who want to move the team to Nashville or another location. Noting he's about to turn 88, Reinsdorf said, quote, when I'm gone, uh, his son Michael, quote, will have an obligation to do what's best for other investors of the Sox. That likely means putting the team up for sale. The team will be worth more out of town. Yeah, that that's the the biggest news I thought in there was the full on open admission that as soon as he dies, his his kids are selling it, and this all comes with Michael Reinsdorf sitting next to him during the interview and saying nothing, which is just such a, a, a like a filmic kind of sad uh, symbol of 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 what has gone on here as Jerry still flails away trying to run this thing and doing it poorly and trying to salvage this thing right now. And trying to, like, you know, get another chance to do it right. And the family doesn't really care that much. His heirs don't don't care. The only way they care right now is that this deal would raise the value when they sell it as soon as he dies. Right. Which is really kind of sad. But someone needs to get Rob Manfred back on the record. Like, that... Because he said positive things about the 78 project and the new stadium and all that like he he was on the record with that that was when it really tipped everybody off that was like oh man this is being fast-tracked way quicker than any of us even realized because it's a good idea like that's the thing that that's where i struggle with it and i feel like some people are kind of you know mixing everything together I, I I loathe so many things about what Jerry has done and, and so many things about what he says and everything. But this particular freaking idea is a great idea. It's a well, last well, gasp. TV, but the idea that comes with a billion in public financing, uh, uh, is that a good idea? No, the middle ground that hopefully they would get to after, like, the, the governor says, hey, we're not going to give you all of this. Let's find a middle ground. Like, well, how much can you raise? Yada, yada. And let's not give you the tiff, perhaps. Right. Like, that new, kind new, of thing. New, new stadium at the 78, not paid for by the public in large part. I, I, well, it, it, I, I don't know about in large part because the, because the state and the city – do believe that this is a good investment. Like, they will believe that. Well, I mean, that is not, we'll see. They believe that stadiums are good investments, Danny, historically, and I do believe now. Like, I still think this thing is going to get, it. this is going to get traction. It may happen because th- there is income on the yearly. I know it sucks that they do this. They kick the can down the road for 30 years with these bonds, but then every year they'll have this, Sales tax income and this other income that they can point to to pay their bills on the year. They want the tourism of a new stadium. They want the team to be here and, and all of that. Right, but it, right, but there is plenty of data that shows that the stadiums do not make up for the public what they do for the private 
business owners. I I I, I understand, but it, mm-hmm. but it's also the way that business is done in not just in this state but all over the country. Like you, you spend money to make money. You're like, oh well, you know, let's but kick it down the road. Often and do it. make money. The new, the, you know what I mean? The new stadiums don't often make money. They over the thirty year run, over the thirty year run, they don't. They they might not. Some do, some do not. But in in the next few years, as they've kicked the can down the road, this is this is what this is what state governments do. But anyway, uh, but so but but the so he is what I'm interested in there about the playing the moving the team card, and then we'll get to some calls here in just a second. The, a guy I texted who he's not an owner of a team, but he's very informed on how Major League Baseball works. David Eckstein could have been. He said he's like the, the owners will never approve it. They won't approve turning Chicago into a one-team town and turning the whole market. It's too big to turn it over just to the Cubs. Like they, they want to have a National League team and an American League team in the third biggest city just like they do in L.A. and just like they do in New York. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not going to do that. There's, just, there's too many people here. There's a, this is, they're about to celebrate the 125th year of the White Sox. This isn't, this isn't the Rays. You know, it, it, it's not the A's who were in Philly before that. Yeah, this team's Kansas been here City. for 125 years, uh-huh. and and the and Major League Baseball ownership approval is going to approve giving the Ricketts the biggest market share of any team in the sport because New York has to split it because LA has to split it. Yeah, they, look, I I, I, I I don't I. So, I respect your source. I respect that info. I I don't I don't know. I, I don't know. But what, I don't I don't either. Because because what I do know is like at MLB MLB as as Bernsey was saying in transition MLB could change their mind, have a short uh, a, a short sighted idea, and allow it to happen. Who the hell knows? It, here's one other thing, and it sucks to even have to consider just before we take the calls. In three years, when the next collective bargaining agreement comes up. There's going to be a massive work stoppage. They might miss a year because what has changed now is the RSN, the regional sports network yes. money going away, yes. has destroyed whatever was functional about an already problematic model. Okay, The owners are going to try and demand a salary cap. And then if that happens, there ought to be a salary floor. And we know the, that, that some owners won't want that. So they'll fight amongst themselves. And then the players union will be all pissed off about all sorts of stuff, of course. And it's going to be an ugly long work stoppage. And there will be no expansion before that happens. So there'll be no expansion in, in these next three years before they do that. Downtown Jim is on the score. What up, Jim? Yeah. Hey, I think it's a perfect spot to, it looks like a perfect spot for me. Uh, I'm hoping they get the stadium built. To... You cool with the public paying for it? Oh, absolutely. Because remember this. It, it took 88 years for a team to win a World Series in Chicago. And they have two teams, two baseball teams in the same city, and that went for 88 years. It's mathematically impossible. <laughs> if you went to Vegas and bet $5 in 1917 that you had two teams in the same city, wouldn't win a World Series, they'd put your name on the marquee in Las Vegas. That's how, you know. What does that have to do with the public paying for the stadium? Well, you know, because by the time they paid, the Sacks won't win a World Series probably for another 50 years anyway. So what difference does it make? <laughs> and, and the same with the Cubs. The Cubs aren't going to win a World Series for 50 years. 
So what so, difference does it make? So is your is your cynicism saying go ahead and pay for it? Is that what's happening? Why not? Why not? Nobody's going to win a World Series here anyway. So what difference does it make? <laughs> well then, would that be an argument? I mean, to that's not impossible. Pay for it? It's just it's impossible for your team to win the World Series here. But, bo- but both bo- both of them have. Yeah. Well, I know, but it took what what hundred? It took because what hundred eight years? Hundred ten? Hundred twelve? Yeah, it took a lot. It took a long time. Years. It took about one hundred eight years. It took the sacks eighty eight years. So the way I figure, we'll all be dead and gone by the time the stadium goes up, but nobody's going to see a World Series anyway. Hey, so dude. What difference does it make? Uh, know, thank you, Jim. You know that's so funny because I'm telling you, there's lots of state officials who feel that way. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, well, you know, I know it might uh, be a problem for our debt uh, down the road. Uh, might be an issue there, but this will help us cover our bottom line in three years and four years and for that next decade. We'll have this money to help our bottom line. I mean, that's that's how they look at this stuff. Man. Mike in Northbrook is on the Parkinson Spiegel Show. What up, Mike? Yeah, I just turned you guys on, and I have to commend you for the way that you're maturely talking about this compared to the way the guys talked about it this morning. They would just as soon see the Sox leave town, and you guys realize that this is a two-team town, number one. The other thing with the, with the way it's going to get paid is the perception of the public. It's not going to come out of state sales tax. It's not going to come out of or, or local. It's not going to come out of income tax or real estate taxes. Most of it's going to come out of uh, the, uh, the issuance of bonds, which people are allowed to buy if they want. No one's enforcing them to. And this 2% hotel-motel tax, which nobody who lives here pays. It's all people out of town. So when they say that the taxpayers are paying it, you got you got to really understand where these revenues are coming from. They're not coming out of the average blue collar worker. Well, but, the, but, but the but the argument is, of course, that the hotel tax that is paid for by people who come here, you are spending the money on the stadium, but you could spend it on public right, schools. You, you could allocate the resources that. to something that isn't a billionaire's vanity project before he dies. Okay, I understand that, but. Uh, Getting, keeping the socks here is through thick and thin. I mean, look, they have, they have good years and bad years, and when they're good, they're very enjoyable. Same with the Cubs. But look, your your point your, your point about the two percent. Thanks for the call, Mike. Is extremely important because it is not a new tax, it is not an increased tax, and it is perceived by tons of lawmakers because it is true that it is predominantly paid for by tourists. And right now, that two percent is going to pay off the soldier field renovations um the white socks which are not paid off yet i know i know <laughs> and, and they're getting a new stadium yep and, and this and this would kick it down the road another 30 years but it would not be changing it would just be letting that two percent that already exists go to the same kind of thing and but just for a longer period of time and it's a new stadium it's a new fancier stadium which should draw better and keep your tourism coming that is a massive reason why I think this thing is probably going to happen because it's tangible facts and figures with no new or increased taxes to go along with the fear of a new owner taking them out of town. Because a new owner who buys with this stadium done or this stadium just about done is going to be like, I'm sitting on a gold mine. Look at me. I'm sitting on this unbelievable deal for this stadium on the, on the south branch of the river. This is going to be great. The a lot of people want to weigh in, and this story has evolved very fast in terms of public perception, in my mind, at least from where I'm sitting. Uh, it's actually kind of remarkable from where it started to where it is now. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. The brand has taken on a large amount of, of challenges. Afternoons on the score. Well, if I were a fan, I'd be pissed. I'd be very angry. Right. You're right. All right. I want to hear more from you guys. 
Jerry has spoken. We will get back to calls in a little bit. Shane, you want the uh, new White Sox Stadium with public tax dollars? Look at yeah, the- I don't really care. I don't, just I, I don't really care if the public pays for it. I don't care if it's part of my I'm a I'm a Chicago resident. I don't care if it's part of my tax dollars. I don't care. Okay. Shut up. This is how it's done all the time. And the world moves on. We're going to be in debt this country, this city, this state for the rest of eternity. This this is these are American values. <laughs> debt is an American value. Let it happen. Shut up, take the new nice thing, and be happy because you're going to want to go more. I know that we, like, Jerry doesn't deserve it. The organization doesn't deserve it. Fans deserve one nice thing. If it's not going to be the team, I want to sit in a more comfortable stadium. Stadium's not bad. That's strong. It's not. I I, I love his perspective because I don't know. It just feels very... You're you're accepting the ways of the universe. Yeah. Um, and right. He who has the gold makes the rule. Right. That's the golden rule. You can't change the power of the billionaire. But so often that sucks, and I know that this sucks on a lot of levels. But there's also a really really good thing at the end of it, which is a better stadium and a healthy franchise for 30 years for the new owner to hopefully do a lot better job and a nicer place for you to go to go see your team. And, and it's staying a two-team town. Like that, that is that is the nicer part of it. It does exist in the calculus here. Sure. I mean, even talking to Dan and Lawrence, they've both said at different times like that they are pro new stadium in certain circumstances. Like uh, you know, I, and it's always it comes with the but I don't want to pay for it, which is fine. But the idea of the new stadium is great. What's changed for me is I thought that there was a better chance, and there still, of course, could be. Uh, that my thing the whole time has been the stadium isn't that nice. It's fine, but it's old, and every other stadium that was built before it, other than Wrigley, Dodger Stadium, Fenway, the team is either doing a massive renovation, like they're doing in Toronto, building a new stadium downtown, like Kauffman, like, mm-hmm. in, like in Kansas City, or it sucks, like Tropicana. That's the list of stadiums older than guaranteed rate fields, like those seven stadiums. So Jerry or new owners going to want new stadium. If your stance is no public funding, let him die and sell the team, and then I'll hold the new billionaire to the same standards that I'm holding this billionaire to, let him fund his own damn stadium, I think that's a totally reasonable stance to have, and you hope that the next owner you will bank on MLB won't let them move because they've been around for 125 years, and it's Chicago. And I don't trust that. I, I, I don't trust that. I, okay. That, I, I, I get it. It, w- it would be the biggest city by far to be a one-team town. But you are right, and that's what you're banking on. You're banking on the new owner to figure it out and want to stay. And, or, be, or have to stay. Or have to stay. Because, I mean, the, these things have – they have to it, – it's – MLB did not let Mark Cuban be the highest bidder to buy into baseball. You think a new owner owner, owner approval is a thing in in Major League Baseball? You think a new owner would end up cooperating with state government and city government and getting some public funding to do a new stadium? Was my because I I absolutely do. Well, it it again, Ricketts got a tax break, but he didn't get it. Like he already he already owned the stadium. He already owned you, the stadium. United in the land. Center. Right, United Center was no public funding. Mm-hmm. So it's there is precedent in this town for it. But yes, I mean I've referenced it a ton. 
Jerry Jones also used public funding for his $5 billion vanity yeah. project that is Jerry World. I, I think the so obs- most of them, to Shane's point, do come with public funding. The obscenity of the ask for the billion plus the TIF, which is another $400 million, and then in this most recent article, he references another $900 million that needs to come. The obscenity of the ask and the tone deafness of the message is so offensive that it has unleashed a torrent of, of well-deserved hate for Reinsdorf. And when t- the truth is, they'll probably end up somewhere in the middle after a negotiation. Probably. And t- listen, Tampa has competed in a worse stadium, and he's been able to spend enough money at that stadium to compete. When you got a $190 million payroll and you win 90 games, and we're talking about them having a wide-open competitive window, they not that long ago, both drew a good number and were a good team. They've been absolutely <laughs> terrible at at building something sustainable and, yeah. and building something good, and it can be done. It's difficult, but it can be done. They, they should be as competitive as Cleveland at the very least, the frequency that Cleveland has been. Yeah. They, they, and that's because his loyalty hires and his – and all of that has been so, so brutal. Tanny, how have you evolved on this? It really is still evolving, I would say, because this is really complicated in terms of where this thing started, where it was like we're envisioning a world with the next ownership, and this was going to be Jerry Reinsdorf's like last it's a gift to himself for sure, but also a gift to the fan base and something about legacy, right? Like I thought that concept that Speaks artfully you know, brought to light was – I, I I was on board with that, right? Like, I thought that was good because I thought it was the best thing for the White Sox franchise. I think they needed a, a hard reboot on every level, I think, from their baseball side and also their public perception side. So I think a new ballpark would have gone a long way in that regard. So I was on board with it. But as Speaks just mentioned, the way this thing has all played out since we started talking about it, right? And I know we knew this was going to get ugly. Whenever you have – state politics, city politics playing out in the public eye, you know it's going to get ugly. It's just part of it. But just how this has devolved and the quotes about, you know, the 3 million fan threshold and, you know, it just it's really soured me on all of it. And then combined with the fact that I don't even like the renderings of the new park to begin with. (laughs) And this is moving so fast. You know, like I thought we, we wouldn't be talking about this for another six months or at least a year, but it's moving so fast. He wants it passed by the spring, by he, the end of the spring. He does, and I worry that they're just rushing all of it like they've like just like they've always done. Never take the time to do things the correct way for the betterment of the organization. Now they're going to rush into this ballpark, which I don't even like the renderings now. But I just and part of me is like, you know what, I, I'm I'm had it with billionaires getting everything they want. If he doesn't get this, I'm cool with that. But I also worry, and I trust Danny Source on the White Sox not you know leaving town and MLB owners would never allow it, but I do worry about this scenario where n- new owner comes in, Rob Manfred says, well, we, we, we tried to have a deal with the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois, and they wouldn't let it happen. So now we owe it to this new ownership or ownership group to explore their options and move if they see fit. I worry about that becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, and I'm not saying that this is ironclad. This is a person who is deep in MLB who says he does not think they would ever let it happen. The MLB deep state. Yeah, yeah but it, so I just – Take it, take it for what it's worth. Like I, this is, I'm not, but it's not an owner and it's not the commissioner. So the person that I talked to doesn't have a vote. You know what I mean? It's just like he's very informed and he is within that 
ecosystem, and he says he doesn't think it would ever happen. I thought that was compelling from Tanny um, that because – I mean, I still think there is a legacy component here that's gone on because unlike a lot of people and certainly unlike our midday guys, I I think Jerry does love baseball and that origin story does dictate what he has wanted in terms of wanting to hold on to a team and build a team what he thinks is the right way. It's just that what he thinks the right way is based on Eddie Stanky and David Eckstein. So he's terrible at it. And oh yeah, by the way, just a footnote, I am I do have a family. I am a homeowner and I see the problems in this city and I'm like, man, those resources could be better allocated. Yeah. Why can't the billionaire just I get it. step one more step? You know what I mean? Not like yeah. we have to subs- you know subsidize all of it. Yeah. Well, he called all of his rich friends to buy stakes in his team. Can't call them to help fund the new right. thing. Yeah. Like like he you know one thing about billionaires they know other billionaires. Mm-hmm. They, they know a lot of people with money. It's just generally they gravitate like moths to a flame. Mm-hmm. Well, they misunderstood him. They came and just bought a bunch of ribeyes, and that did absolutely nothing for the stakes of the organization. Uh, that was the issue. <laughs> that was the issue. They just came to Chicago wagon. and went my, to steakhouses. And they're like, why thing. does Jerry want us to go to Boulevard? <laughs> <laughs> We're going soon. As soon as that patio opens. Can't baby. wait. Let's go. Can't wait. Uh Listen, there's a bad scenario for the Cubs we have to get into oh, at, that's at, fun. At, at some point. What, should we take more calls on the other side, Shane? People, how, how, how's this bank of calls? They're, I mean, yeah, they're waiting. They'll, they'll, they, they, they will wait. Callers, it, wait. All right, we'll get to them. It, uh, I, I think it is, it's, it's the story of the moment in Chicago. All right, we'll get to them next on The Score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Johnny B. I'm riveted to The Score. It's the last bastion of talk radio because you can just have conversation and you can let people talk and get an opinion. You know, local radio, that's it. Afternoons on The Score. All right, let's take some calls. Jerry Reinsdorf says it's your fault that they're not winning because you only drew 2.9 million fans after the World Series and not 3 million. Joe in Crystal Lake is on the score. What up, Joe? Hey, boys. I can't wait for this fiasco. Uh, Parkins, you need to set the over-under on how many politicians are going to end up in the slammer for this brand-new stadium we're about to have. Maybe they can get Ron Blagojevich to broker the deal for them. (laughs) Rob Blagojevich, Rob Blagojevich yeah, baby. Compare him. Yeah. Uh, you know, listen, the, the, the over-under will always be 0. .5 for imprisoned politicians. Because oh, it should be higher in this na- state. Na- I, no, because we put more politicians in jail than most. Yeah, we're great not, at it. But not nearly as many who should be in jail. <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? Like, think about how many bankers went to jail for the banking fiasco and the housing market crisis. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they've got a higher hit rate. Generally speaking, the rich people avoid jail time. <laughs> the rich and powerful, even in this state, generally, we're better oh at it God. than most. They didn't even get mad again until he was done, basically. That's what I'm saying. Generally yeah. speaking, they still get away with it. There's so, the- 0.5 is the over under. Uh, I'll accept all bets up to $1,000 on either side. Yeah, all those political forces and all the, like, the, the, the labor unions and everybody with like a different perspective and all these hands that are going to want to get in this till, it's going to be sloppy down there. Joe in St. Charles on the score. Hey, guys. Um, we have one baseball team. Running two baseball teams, one football team, one basketball team, one hockey team. Why do we have to have two baseball teams? Why is that so important? It's a fair question. Um, What we have for a long time, 125 years, 
and there's a few towns that are big enough to support two, and it's more fun to have two. It's also, it's also more profitable to the city to have two and have the tourism and the teams that come. I, I wish you would have stayed on the line. I would have asked him if he was a Sox fan. Be- I know that we have prominent White Sox fans on the station who say they are no longer White Sox fans and they do not care if they would move. And I know that they say that they are not outliers and that they speak to a lot of White Sox fans who feel that way. I, and, and I see those tweets and get those text messages as well. I have White Sox fan friends too. They all have varying degrees of apathy or outright hatred for how their team is run. But I don't personally know anyone in like my friend circle. I'm not, I obviously know Dan and Lawrence uh, who would like, Actively be for or okay with the White Sox being the Nashville White Sox. I just, I don't believe that that is the, I think that that is a thing that people say. They say it when they are angry. I generally speaking, not saying that those guys, but generally speaking, those people on Twitter, the people that text. Yeah. I, I, I think that if you woke up one day and the White Sox were straight up gone, that would be devastating to the sports fandom in that town. I think that is still, I think that is true for the majority of White Sox fans. I I think it is, it is worse than it has ever been. And we talked about it in terms of just the expectations for this particular year, let alone the way that the, the, the window fell apart and Jerry with his friendly hire of Tony totally like, uh, you know, harpooned the end of the rebuild and killed the whole thing. Like, all of it, it, it is worse than it, and maybe I've ever seen it, but I still think the majority of White Sox fans would not want their team to leave. Jake and Decatur's on the score. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, hey, first off, that's crazy. That's crazy talk. Keep the White Sox. I'm telling you, there's so many. It's Whatever happens, whatever shakes out, you're White Sox fans because you're White Sox fans. I, I, I'm a Browns fan, and when the Browns left Cleveland, I gave up on football for like five years. I was sick of my stomach. I think Tanny said yesterday he was going to give up on baseball if the White Sox left town. Whatever the cat, Joe, or whatever the hell his name is, that, that's crazy talk. Keep the White Sox no matter what. So, I mean, you got to, right? So, yeah. Did, did you get back on board when your Browns all of a sudden existed again? Absolutely, I did. Okay. Absolutely, I did. Huh. And, and that's the absolute truth. I mean, I love baseball, but you know what I mean? When your team's gone, the team you root for your whole life, Make you sick to your stomach, like Tanny said yesterday. But I just wanted to – that guy before was crazy. You want to so, talk to Tan- Tanny? You want to talk to this guy? What did you say yesterday, Tanny? God, he's so right. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. Jake rules. That's right. He did, Tanny. You did. Yesterday you said if the White Sox left town that you were done, you were done with baseball for a while. And I, and I swear to God that's exactly how I felt. And then the Ravens had all that success. And I was like, Jesus Christ. You know, that's terrible. <laughs> but but Tanny, that's right. Keep them there if there's people that, that love that. Anyhow, hey, yeah. I got to go. All right, Jake, there you go. go. Yeah. So, okay. Sorry to keep you. Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Jake. <laughs> What Why were you said, talking? No, I said yesterday, you know, if the Sox moved, I yeah. wouldn't like baseball again. Yeah, know? really. Did you hear that? During yeah. the QB1 town hall, you said that yesterday? Maybe not yesterday. Yeah, I think it was going to Might have been the ago. day before. Yeah. Um, I, when he said the Browns, I thought he meant the St. Louis Browns, who left to become the Baltimore Orioles in 1953. No, Cleveland Browns. You got it. Yeah, you got I got that there. Ever since his Eddie Goodell stunts, you know, <laughs> I really haven't watched them as much. <laughs> oh, man. Alex in Downers Grove. Hi, Alex. 
Hey, guys, how many times are we going to let Jerry off the hook? I mean, he doesn't put a winning team on the field. Mm-hmm. He's got a sweetheart of a deal yep. in the city right now. He's at a ballpark where, let's be honest, he didn't really do anything with the ballpark. He hasn't really built it up or anything. So how many times are we going to let him off the hook? Yeah. In, I, in what In what you mean by allowing for the stadium to be publicly funded? Yes. I mean, listen, man, it, it's not going to be up to us. Let, let me ask you, how do you think they're going to build it correctly now? If they if they get the new stadium, are they going to build it correctly? Is Jerry going to do all this stuff and build it up and do all this? Hey, your cynicism is well-earned. It, yeah, it, the last know, ones have not gone well. And, and, and as, as Tanny said, not yesterday, but earlier today, um, like he, he doesn't love the renderings. I think the renderings are okay, but, I mean, the fact okay. that they're just okay. It, the fact that they're hurrying like this is a little scary considering how many mistakes they made the last time, and you hope they have collaboration. I, I hear you, Alex. I, I hear you. The I, spot is perfect. I think the spot will be gone by the time the next owner has a chance to do something. It's like you're going into a dog shelter to adopt like a really well-behaved two-year-old dog, and then that dog's not available, and you're like, well, I'm not leaving without one. So let me get this puppy that I'm not ready for at all. It's the same kind of thing. Any any experience? No. In, 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 in that regard? Any experience in that regard? And a high-profile person comes in and takes that dog. <laughs> and, then, and then Rob Manfred doesn't allow the dog to leave in the first place. Doesn't even like dogs. How's Weller? How's Weller doing? Oh, he's fine. He's fine. Okay. Yeah, he's chill. He's chill puppy. He's, he's not yeah, chill. He's not that bad. The first chill puppy in the history of puppies. He's not that bad. <laughs> I saw your tweet the other night. You were looking for, I need some place with a lot of space and a fence because this dog needs to run. Did you find some place? No. No, oh. no, no. I went for my first run in two years today. Oh. <laughs> Just for the dog. Send this man to an enormous dog park. My God, we got to find something for you. I mean, there's great dog parks around here, but just not where where you're living for fenced-in areas. Yeah, there's nothing out by me. That sucks, dude. Yeah. That sucks. He needs some space. There's got there's got to be like a football stadium or something you can just sleep let, just set up an obstacle course around all the grills. You know what? They should set. <laughs> <laughs> they should do a dog park on the on the side of the 78. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There will I'm be not one. paying for it. There will be one. You know that spot, Shane, up on the on the north side of the river over by Erie Cafe? Like right over there uh, where yeah. the river bends, there's a dog park there. When they built all those new buildings there, you're building a community. Like that was one of the other plans for the 78, like four or five years ago that almost happened. What about up like by the I-88 corridor, <sighs> kind of by the top? Not a space there. Not a space there. I haven't considered it. I don't want your dog to get shot at Top Golf. There was a great – Tanny's open today really made me laugh. and uh, And then – Okay, it's tough right now for White Sox fans. Mm Got to be honest, while much better, this moment in time, not great in terms of the news for the Cubs either. Parkins and Spiegel on the score. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. If y'all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. We have put together something really intergalactically stupid. It's remarkably stupid. Parkinson Spiegel, QB1 Town Hall. People are going to yell at me. We have just independents. Yes. K-Libertarians. I, I, and undecided. Undecideds. Yes. Q-Bundecideds. 
No. <laughs> I like skirt steak. It's delicious. But if the A5 Wagyu is on the menu, it's better. And in this weird case, it's cheaper. We will start with our Twitch mob and normal Tom. Danny, I'm going to use your analogy against you. Your cube steak or whatever it was. Wagyu. Caleb Williams hasn't played one minute in the NFL. So you might end up with baloney. Who's next? All right, you're looking for answers. Let's go back to Undecided. All Joining right. us from Bleacher Nation Cubs and Bears. Blue. I love the steak comp. I can't trust everyone's cooking. Can you convince me that I can trust who's cooking? Uh, no. No. That scares me. Joe Aurelio joining us here on stage. Joe Aurelio, everybody. Right. Aurelio's Pizza. Remember, it's the sauce. It's the sauce. It's the sauce. Thanks, thank you, Joe. Hey, everybody, turn around. Mark Grody's in the house. Yeah. I heard there was booze here, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dave the Cat, shout out. We're just going to yeah. yell things that we know about Mark Grody. Shane's. <laughs> uh, he loves Les Grobstein. Uh, yeah. Illinois State Broadcasting Hall <laughs> of Fame. Alcoholic, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you said it, not me. This guy over here is like, whoa. <laughs> he said it. Everyone give it up for Olin Krutz. The best. I know you know this, Olin. I've never been in the NFL as a player. Uh, no. Do you think, okay, that was a little quick. That was a little quick. And I've never been a debate champ at Thank New Trier, so Thank we're even. Yeah. Uh, a ton of textures are saying, put Dino from Mount Greenwood on. I'm worried about the process. It's, you're chasing a unicorn, you're always destined to fail. And it's just like the TL TLC song. I won't say, I won't do the whole thing oh like I was God, planning on. But, you know, you don't want to chase waterfalls. That's going to lead to just disaster, I think. If you so, always is Justin Fields the rivers and the lakes yes. that you're used to? Justin Rivers is the fields and the lakes that you're used to. Okay. Thank you, Spiegel. I knew you got it. I got you. I'm really All glad right. we went to Dino. Yeah, me too. I'll chase the waterfall. You will? Yeah. Don't don't go doing that. Much more exciting. I think you're moving too fast. You guys were absolutely fantastic. Give yourselves a round of applause. Seriously, Seriously everybody, you guys everybody were fantastic. Drive. No matter who the quarterback is, we don't want them to be no scrub. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh, Jerry, I love this guy. Always coming up with these great lines. I love him. I love him. We go for one, two, three. And here, here we go, go Jim. Here we go. Here we go, Jim. Here we go, Tony. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Great day yesterday. I'd like he, to have that one back. You would? Yeah, like that line? Ah, like, I don't believe you. <laughs> you have so many lines like it. <laughs> You're so proud of yourself. You said I, to me off air I was two so happy. hours ago. Was you so got to just make yourself laugh. Yeah, it's true. That's true. So what are you talking about? I did, I did, I did make myself laugh. Yeah. I know. You don't want it back. Now you're probably right. Yeah, I know you better We're than you back, know yourself. Baby. There We're we back. go. Yeah. There we go. Uh, truly a great day yesterday, though. Thank you to it everybody was. who came out and listened and interacted on social. It was uh, it was uh, it was different. Uh, we never want people to say, "Oh, I'm going to tune in," and I know that it's always going to be the exact same thing with those guys. And I know that you say about Parkinson's, all you do is talk about Caleb Williams, uh, but. 
try to always keep it fresh, repackage this sort of thing. Because if, if we get stale, then it'll get stale for the audience. Yeah. So we've tried something new, and uh, some people liked it, some people hated it, but we're going to always try new things. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's a great ethos, and I think it keeps it fresh and keeps the whole thing vibrant. It's kind of... It's why uh, things happen uh, right here on this show. That's but the plan. Th- there was a moment yesterday, I think it was Brian from Sugar Grove, who said that he'd been going through some tough times and he just appreciated that we were there for him with just every day. And that's, that's the stuff, man. And so just like seeing everybody and getting a chance to press the flesh, we want to get out um, as much as we can and do remotes. But if we can do stuff like this and bring you to us... I think it's something we will continue to explore. It's great. Yeah, it was uh, it was a ton of fun. So we appreciate all of the support uh, for the idea. Okay. I had to hold myself back so much, by the way, when he said that, to say specifically tell us what's going on. <laughs> I wanted so badly to hear the details about oh. Brian and Sugar Grove stuff. Oh. That was the forum for it. It's a town hall. It's we're true. all talking. We're, right. all, we're all very supportive. Getting it out. Yeah, you know? yeah, we're open and honest with things that are going on in our lives. Yeah. So, yeah, come on. Let's go. My ki- I saw my people kid yesterday. People. Saw Ruby yesterday. Didn't hate me as much as usual. It was great. You know what I mean? Congrats, Thanks, man. buddy. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been tough that, times, but, you know, 12, okay. right? Yeah, 12. he's 12. Oh, That's... starting to pull away. Yeah. He'll be back, though. When he's 17. 17's I when you've know. decided. I don't know. I don't know. But he was kind of back yesterday. It was nice. Yeah, I think Mr. he'll be. Mr. Danny, please edit that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll be back before then. It'll just be intermittent for maybe the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. I, I told my brother, who's got two older ones, I said, yeah, you know, he's, he's starting to pull away. And he said, well. You had a good run, <laughs> which I thought was lovely. Thanks. But, you know, that, that's the way of the world. You don't have that. You're still in the, the, the pure joy phase. Your kid is, he wore his Blackhawk sweatshirt to school, didn't he? He, wanted to, he was off for President's Day. Am I going to school today? No. So he goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. On Wednesday, he's like, I want to wear my Blackhawks uh, hoodie today. I was like, you do? He's like, I'm going to tell my friends about the Blackhawks game. Oh, man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like, do you remember the guy who scored the goal's name? He goes... Connor and I'm like Bedard. He's like Bedard, and so yeah, he remembered. And then you know the ice cream and the zamboni. Oh sure, but those those are his three takeaways. Actually, it's four that he went on an Owen Data adventure. He knows that I was excited that Connor Bedard scored a goal or Connor somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got him a sweatshirt. Got him a sweatshirt. The ice cream, the zamboni. It was a it was it's a huge best. win. Yeah. Eli runs and gives me a hug when I get home. It's the greatest Owen. 50-50. Uh, but today, after after the pancakes, he came up to me and gave me a hug. She said, Dad, I love you. Same brother used to pay his son to come and give him a hug when he stopped doing it. I respect that. <laughs> I can see. He's I like, can... I miss the hug. I'll give you a few bucks every time you do it. So it extended it for another couple of months. I can see that. I, I throw money at every other problem. Right? It's a good expense. Uh, it's a good expense. All right. So Bears, very exciting time. Bulls going nowhere rapidly. White Sox, maybe the worst team uh, in the sport with dysfunction all around it. But they are rebuilding, and Spiegs just uh, told us that they're going to be a work stoppage in three years. (laughs) So right when they're getting good again, they won't even play. So thanks for that. (laughs) I'd forgotten about that earlier. That's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, in three years when they're just starting to put it together, that season's going to get canceled. That last that. work stoppage, though, is when we got our best content from players because we didn't have to go to PR. <laughs> so hopefully in three years, even better content from the players. Look at that. Good spin point. zone. Good point. Good spin by there. Very good. That's yo, uh, yo. Hawks, exciting because of Bedard. Exciting event this weekend with Chelios, but obviously not a good team. The team that is supposed to be 
the good team, the winning team, the team that is ready to win a division and then get into the playoffs and see what happens and maybe compete with the championship and the best run team in town, the big bad Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. And you guys know I'm not much for practice sports. Like I don't, I don't love preseason football. I don't love spring training. I like it when there's enough sports in this town. I like the, the, when the games that matter. And so I, but I'm, I'm following it because it's the job well, and I love the good, Cubs. You know, good for you. Thank you. But okay. So I, I go to the athletic. Yeah. And the top two Cubs stories and the athletic still employs multiple Cubs beat writers. So sure. they, they, it's, they do great coverage. One story is Dansby Swanson who wanted to be involved in the offseason and was the mm-hmm. big expenditure of last offseason. Is Dansby Swanson satisfied with the Cubs spending this offseason? Like, all right, that doesn't sound like too uplifting of an article. Yeah. What's the next one? The next piece. How will the Cubs replace Cody Bellinger's offense if there isn't Cody Bellinger? This is bleak stuff. Mm. And so okay, but- I have been I have been hesitant to want to do this exercise. Yeah. Because I think I'm like, Jed doesn't go to the convention and say it's the fifth inning of the offseason if they're not planning to do more stuff. And then they've signed another reliever since, but then at the opening of spring training, he's like, Yeah, the relievers are up in the bullpen for the offseason, but the Boris clients still haven't signed. Is it time to at least examine what this team will look like? A, if they don't have Cody Bellinger. B, as they sit here today, on February 22nd, are they a better or worse team than last year? They're a worse team than last year. I, I, I No I'm, Stroman, no Bellinger, but they have Imanaga. They added a couple of bullpen pieces. Right? Heck, Neris. Hector Neris. Um, yes, at, at Hector Neris. There's some... a lot of young kids who are, in theory, ready to produce, both that will start with the big league club and those that won't. Michael Bush is is in all likelihood your opening day first baseman, and after a cup of coffee with in the majors with with the Dodgers, he'll get a real chance here. Um, but you don't know if Pete Crow Armstrong is going to hit. You really don't know if Michael Bush is going to hit. Um, third base is uh, is some kind of mix right now of Wisdom, who is strikeout or homer or nothing, um, or Madrigal, who at his best is not much more than a replacement-level player, despite all his work at third base. Um, Morel can hit the ball, but we have no idea if he can play the position defensively, and he more likely than not cannot. He's probably your DH. Um, I, I do like, I do believe that Miguel Amaya for a full year is going to be an upgrade over Tucker Barnhart and other stuff. But no, they need Cody Bellinger to, for you to feel good, I, and that's even with me assuming there will be some improvement from 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 some people, um, you know, because there will be some improvement. But they they're banking on improvement and managing. Improvement and coaching is what they're banking on as of right now. I'm not as bothered by replacing Stroman as as you are just because his second half was, you know, an, an injury-riddled disaster. But the wins in the first half count. I know, but you've got Jordan <laughs> Wicks for a full year. I'm a big believer in Jordan Wicks. I love that dude. And Imanaga. So you add those two in. Tyone can't be worse. Like no, I, Ty, I agree. Tyon can't be worse, and and I think he's going to be better. So I'm not, I'm not as, I'm not as bothered by Strowmanlessness in terms of the rotation. But offensively, if you ask me right now, are are they better? No. But he's okay. So, but they're not done. I agree, they're not done, and I, I, I agree with you. I agree. Is this rotation Steele, Imanaga, 
Tyone, Hendricks, Wicks. Is that rotation a top 10 rotation in baseball? That's the right, that's the right number. And obviously they have other young guys, you know, but Ben Brown can be a star, Kate Horton, I understand that. Uh-huh. But, and they, they've got serious front end of the rotation upside that aren't here yet. Yeah, like, Ben Brown and Kate Horton could absolutely be part of this mix and they might go six man at some point or one of those guys might force their way in at some point. Um it's probably right around 10. I haven't, I haven't looked at that hardcore yet, but it's probably right around there, somewhere between 8 and 12. Okay. Something like that, because it's deep. It, it, it is deep, and Steele was phenomenal. Steele is a top-five Cy Young guy. He, phenomenal. There's, there's obviously... There's a is lack. That, is that going to continue, and he's all of a sudden just going to be Justin Verlander, and he's going to give you that every year? Or is it more likely like Dylan Cease, who had a top five Cy Young year and then regresses and is a good, talented pitcher who has good days and bad days? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't, I don't, listen, I love Justin Steele. I bet him at 27 to one to be Cy Young last year. The, the demeanor on the mound, everything about him is incredible, but it's much more likely that last year's a career year as opposed to he's now a top five pitcher in the National League for the next five years. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know about the next five years. And the next three years. The next, or, or, yeah, I mean, it's hard to obviously predict about the health. The thing is, the way that he's able to vary his pitches yes. and the control he has with that cut-ride fastball, he can do it different ways. The way that he can make the slider actually be like a curveball and change the trajectory of it and the speed of it means he's got adjustments re- at the ready. So you don't think that times. he's a prime regression candidate? I, I, I don't actually, I don't, okay. I, I, I think, I think the way that that slider moves and his ability to control the pitches and vary the speeds means like if they start to pick up on something, he can mess with people. Sixth in baseball in ERA. Yeah. Last year. So it just, it just, it strikes me as I'll bet he's top 10 in ERA again. I, I I think they I think okay. they, I think they found something. I, I again I they they did find something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know I, think I, mean? they, like, I think they found a keeper. They, they 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 did find a keeper. He's he's very very good. But a three zero ERA and a like a three four ERA from Justin Steele would still be sure a huge keeper and a huge find and a hugely valuable thing. Mm-hmm. And it would still be a pretty significant backslide yeah. from from last year you know so i i just think i i'm looking at basically guys who are going to get be better than last year versus guys who are going to be le- uh worse than last year and seeing which column has more names in it is kind of what i was trying to do and without bellinger mm-hmm. and without stroman who was an all-star off of his first half it just there's not a ton of guys that i can see being, I mean, Saya is one. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let, let's do the exercise. I, I think Saya absolutely found something after his benching, and I think you are going to get a better year from Saya. I, I think you're going to get a better year from Saya. I think mm-hmm. you're going to get a more offensive production from first base because it would be basically impossible to get less. Okay, and I think you'll have a full year of Morel, you know, unless unless they deal him or unless something happens. And they didn't have his, what, how many homers did he hit at AAA that first month? I should know, but I always forget. 13, 15, something ridiculous. He hit 26 homers in the big leagues last year. Yeah, so I I think... He hit a lot of home runs, man. He really did. He hit a lot of home runs. Is is Christopher Morell a 40 home run guy? (sighs) I don't think so. He's he's probably, I think he's a 30 home run guy. Yeah, I I agree. He's probably a 30 home run guy. That'd be more. 
That, okay, that All would right. be more. Um, I gave you a catching position overall with Gomes and Amaya. Gomes had a pretty good offensive year. But with Amaya getting at bats uh, instead of Barnhart and the other crap that they put out there for the second catcher last year, I think you could you could make the case that they'll get more out of the catcher position. Yeah, I mean, it's Carter Hawkins, when we asked him for a name of a guy to be better this year or to break out, uh, first name he said was Amaya. Mm-hmm. So, sure. <laughs> Sure. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a catcher. I, catcher. Sure. Catcher will be better. All right. So, so that's catcher, first base, right field. Yep. And and maybe Morrell as DH or third, depending on 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 where he ends up playing the most. At this point, I can't bank on getting more from Ian Happ. It's a pretty big body of work now. I can't even bank on getting more from Bellinger if he's back. Like get, give him Bellinger for the for the exercise. Bellinger's not going to be better next year than he was last year. Well, that, but, but you're getting off the exercise. You got to finish the exercise. You got to do 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 ten reps at least. Okay, but you said that he would be here. I, so, I so, do so, think he'd be here. Okay, well, th- listen. They're, they're, they're we haven't worth, gotten a Nico. They're worse at center if it's Talkman, uh-huh. and I think they're worse at center if it's Bellinger. So either name, they're getting less from center field. Right now, it's dramatically less from center field. Right. Okay. Yes. How about Nico? You think you can get more from Nico? I mean, he works his ass off, and you know he wants it, to get better every it, possible year. It feels like you can get better. Yeah, I actually do think that run production, Nico, can be better. I, there, I His OPS feels like it can be closer to 800. I think that that is in play for him. He's talked about knowing that he hasn't unlocked power mm-hmm. uh, at the big league level. He works out like crazy. Uh, obviously a gold glover last year hit for a great average uh, but it I do think that he could take a few more walks but more likely add to that in terms of some some slug yeah I, I do think that there's a little bit more for Nico as an offensive player only nine home runs and 49 walks uh, for Nico last year I think it's more likely that he adds to the power than the walks but I think that both are you know, I think he can. I think he can improve his OPS of seven thirty. Yeah, I think that can improve. I, I think I think that can improve. Um, I don't know if he's going to steal more than forty three bases. No, I don't. I but hey, you know how, how many people stole forty bases in MLB last year? Six. That's it. It's going to be my guess. Yeah, was it really? Uh, yeah, sure. yeah, I didn't even let you guess. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, so all right, so we've got him better, slightly better at second, mm-hmm. and that's we love Nico. We're not going to say he's going to be worse. Uh, better at first. Better at catcher. I guess better with Morrell. That's close. And better in right. The same or worse in left. Worse in center. Assume you're saying a little worse, Dansby? I mean, he's very good and very consistent. He's yeah. a consistent ball player. Yeah. Um, they they do need some more. They I, I think they do need some more from him. Okay. Yeah. I mean, o- OPS below 750 last year. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be nice to be better. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, just so phenomenal as a as a shortstop and as a leader. It, it, I, it, the defense is just outrageously great. Yeah. I think the I don't know the, the manager will get more out of everybody that you and they're can banking roll. on it. They're it, banking on uh, it. Good. Fine. It's a, it's a good place to upgrade. I um and, and I it just I don't know. I think they're gonna add Bellinger still, and it'll feel better. But I didn't think they had enough power last year with Bellinger. I agree, man. So I agree that there more more needs to come. It's an interesting moment right here with the Boris Four. Uh, David Sampson said it yesterday with Mully and Haw. John Heyman kind of echoed it today. 
that these guys are going to get short deals. They're most likely going to get short deals at this point. That's what the league is telling them. And if that's the case, that plays into the Cubs' hand with with Bellinger, if if league wide. And you know, th- there's just not many options. I, I got a little, I got a little, little stuff on Bellinger today from um, from a source, Danny. That it it goes right with what we have talked about. That Boris is looking for over two hundred million dollars. Good luck. And, and my source, who's very well connected in MLB, thinks the Cubs would go. 250 that they would go to 150 they might even go a little bit higher than that but that Boris is holding out for 200 and the reasoning is what I had surmised the other day that he wants to show the world that if you're 27 years old and you sign a one-year prove-it deal and then ball out like Cody Bellinger did you're gonna get 200 million dollars you're gonna get that big deal and he doesn't want to set the precedent of not delivering that for every other client in his stable for years and years to come. So he, so he's it's about his shoulder chip, and that's the game that's being played right now. I found it encouraging that the source said the Cubs would go to 150 or maybe yeah, a little more. Yeah, they'll probably more. get him then. If he, if, he, if he wants to be here and they'll go to $150 million and he wants 200 and it ends at 170 then he'll probably be here. That also strikes me as a very small amount of money relatively to be holding up the the market, holding up $50 this. million? Dollars? Uh, hey, relatively. <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree. <laughs> I, I don't agree. That's, that's, relatively. A, that's a third of the contract's value. 150 to 200, It'd right? It'd be one-fourth of it. One-fourth of it, yeah, They sure. got all yeah, the yeah, way yeah, there. Yeah, 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 if they got all the way there. Yeah. 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 You, you don't agree that that is I don't agree that small, that's a small amount of money. But it's not like <laughs> two years, 70 million versus six years, 200. It's not 130. That is more money. <laughs> I nailed that. <laughs> you, you did. You did. I can't get anything by this guy. I mean, I'll, I try. I'm on fire today. I throw the Imanaga stuff at him. Yeah. I throw the steel stuff at him. I can't get anything by him. <laughs> Following it all off. Mm-hmm. 130 million is more than 50 million, but 50 million is still big. I still think they're going to get Bellinger. I, I, right. I, they, but I do too. At this point, they need to. It'd be nice. I don't. I don't love their chances in the division as currently constructed. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah. I, I mean, the the newly reformed Cardinals pitching staff is obviously one thing, but man, the Reds. The Reds are going to rise up one of these years. The Reds are going to rise up and win that damn division. And it. it they might have done enough. They might have added enough for it to be now. Coming up, there is a a comeback story of sports. Not not of sports of sorts. Uh, happening this weekend. <laughs> kind of gave it away there a little bit. And uh, <laughs> been wanting to talk about it for weeks, honestly. Very excited. It's next on The Score. Hey everybody, we are live. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Strange twists and turns with the guys over there on the Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons on The Score. We're having a little White fun. White people used to be cool in America. <laughs> Long time ago, dude. The height, the height of white people being cool was us going, we're like, man. That was as cool as we got. We're like, man, see, man. And then the day white people stopped being cool was Jackie Robinson's first game. You can look it up, dude. You can find it. You can find the radio call from that game online. You can hear the exact moment white people stopped being cool. You can hear the announcers. They still got there like, man. Welcome to Chicago where the White Sox take on the Brooklyn Dodgers. We all had cool white nicknames. 
Like, up at the mound is old Curly. He's a 47-year-old alcoholic. He's the greatest athlete alive. Runs a six-second, 40-yard dash. Fastest man alive, they say. Then it happened, dude. And Jackie came up to the plate. You can hear the announcers like, Meh. Coming up to the plate is young Codbar from Brooklyn. No way he can hit Curly's pitch. Here comes the pitch. Home run. All right. This weekend, the host of Saturday Night Live is one of the biggest stand-up comedians in the world and arguably the single hottest stand-up comedian in the world right now in terms of, like, stock up and the rise and the run that he's on, Shane Gillis. And I know these guys are huge fans, and they've seen him live. I have not yet seen him live. Very badly want to. Uh, he's incredibly funny. But the SNL story is remarkable. He was hired in uh, September of 2019, and hours after the hire was announced, a freelance comedy journalist had dug up some some racist stuff from uh, bits that he had done previously, and they immediately pivoted and did not hire they, him. Yeah, fired him before he even started. And that was 2019, and it was for bad jokes and context, uh, quotes that were out of context, some of them, and some of them were just not funny, but it was comments on a podcast, right? And he got he, fired. He was riffing on Chinatown on a podcast. And- yeah, but so he, so he, gets, so he gets fired. And now he's back. Gets to host where they hired him for two hours. Well, there's a and there's a long history of this at SNL. Like Norm Macdonald famously wouldn't stop doing the OJ jokes because OJ was friends with Dick Ebersol mm-hmm. and he told him to stop. And they fired Norm from Weekend Update. And then he came back and hosted the show. And did in one of the most famous monologues in the history of the show. Either th- like either I got a lot funnier or the show got a lot less funny. And he just torched SNL in his monologue. Uh, Adam Sandler, when he came back and hosted, he did an opening song on how he got the best of SNL for never being able to use him. And now his movies have grossed $4 billion worldwide <laughs> in, in his mind. So there's a long history of this. Of them leaning into... Uh, of, mi- them acknowledging, of them acknowledging the comedic mistake. Because Shane Gills is also an incredibly accomplished s- sketch comedian. But he's just done it on his own ventures. and not, It's a YouTube show, right? Is that the primary place for it? For for his sketch work. Well, no, the Gillian Keeves is like a a, a pro- produced like specials and seri- you know episodic sketch comedy series. Gillian Keeves, and he's also got a very popular podcast where he has athletes on there yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. But they have but, their own platform for it. Gillian Keeves. Okay, yeah, I like they they sell it like the Louis C.K. model. You sell it directly to your consumers. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay, th- there we go. Thank you. Uh, but so he's accomplished in that world too, and so he's gonna crush it. On Saturday, but it's interesting to think about like the context of person coming back to show that then becomes bigger than show. Uh-huh. Like John Stewart is back at the Daily Show, sure, and he's bigger than the Daily Show. But clearly, yeah, sports comp would be trading a prospect away 
and then he blows up for the other team, and you have to live with that, and then he comes to town. Yeah, like Justin Fields. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I was thinking maybe Ryan Sandberg going back to Philly, something like that. Justin Bears. Fields is going to come back and headline the Chicago Theater. <laughs> Bears. Cole Komet. Cole Komet and the Bears. Tanny and I were there, baby. South oh, yeah. Bend, so- watching the college game day. So- how many times have you guys seen him live? Shane uh, just once for me. Yeah, just, just once. Just the one time in South Bend? Yeah. Okay. All right, so I watched some of Beautiful Dogs. I didn't get all the way through it just because the the timing of, of the night. But can we hear some more good stuff that you like about Shane Gillis? Yeah, this is from his first special recorded in Austin, like one of the first specials to come out after COVID. And, it, like, this is what first put him on the map. Is one of my favorite sports bits of recent vintage i don't like uh, i don't like alabama football i watched i just watched this documentary on alabama football it's great it's about well it's not, i don't know i don't know if you should say it's great but <laughs> it's about it's about alabama football it's about when they desegregated their football team so up until this point alabama football was just white all right and everybody down there was pumped on that they would pack the stadium everyone would be like look at all those whites <laughs> running around catching it and look i'm not knocking them too hard because i still have a little bit of that in me you know like if a white guy catches the ball on sunday i'm like oh go 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 (laughs) ah they got him they got him it's a tough run a smart run (laughs) heads up run there (laughs) but no they took it too far and uh so the documentary focuses on that it focuses on bear bryant Bear Bryant, legendary head coach. He was the head coach that brought the first black players onto the team. So the whole documentary is like celebrating Bear Bryant. They're like, way to go, Bear. You did it. What a hero. And then you find out it was 1971. (laughs) A little late for high fives on this one, fellas. Holy 71? Like we had been to the moon. (laughs) There were literally people on the moon before Alabama had black guys in their secondary. Does anyone understand? There were white corners. White cornerbacks. You understand how preposterous that is? Some of, some of you are too young to have ever even seen a white corner. They're extinct. They don't exist. There, there's two left at the San Diego Zoo. And they won't, they won't reproduce. You'll never see a white corner. But that's what happened. It wasn't like, the reason they desegregated the team, it was, that's what the documentary focuses on, which is great, because it wasn't like, oh, hey, fellas, it's 1971. Maybe we should get with the times. What happened was Alabama scheduled USC, Southern Cal. Alabama was confident. They're like, oh, white boys, are, <laughs> we'll take on anybody. And then USC came down to Alabama with a bunch of black dudes from LA, just beat the <laughs> out of Alabama. <laughs> And then after the game, Bear Bryant gave like a speech and he was like, hey, y'all, come on. <laughs> and that was it. That's all it took. <laughs> Everybody down there was like, yeah, we get it. We'll, we'll, we'll be less racist. Oh, my God. It's funny. Hilarious. Hilarious. I might watch the monologue live. I don't know the last time I've watched it. I actually probably do. Chappelle. Ch- Chappelle after the election, after the first Trump election. That was a that was a must watch live monologue. I don't know that I've watched a live monologue since though. Might watch it live Saturday night. I'm very very excited to see what his SNL humor is because it's a there's a it's a legendary list of people 
that have come back and kind of crapped all over the institution. Most mm-hmm. people do it and are like in reverence of it. Like he's a, he's a, it's a short group of people who can just come back and be like, I won. I am now SNL needs Shane Gillis more than Shane Gillis needs SNL. It's an incredible thing. <laughs> so you sound um, like a little envious of what he could spike the ball, right? Yes. He, he, and he I'm could sure and he should. I don't, I don't think he will do it. Like he's not going to napalm it. He's going to do the sketches. Like, mm-hmm. but, but I, he is, it's just like a rare moment. And I, I, I like the, the independence of comedy and like the meritocracy of comedy. At, in 2019, Shane Gillis definitely needed SNL with where he was in his career. Mm-hmm. He lost it. And then through sheer hard work and talent, he became, he's one of the 10 biggest stand-ups in the world right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like now SNL is thrilled to have him as opposed to the other way around. It's, just, it's, an, it's an awesome story of perseverance and talent. I get it. I get it. I will, I will, I will DVR. The last time I watched SNL was when Nate Bargetsy was, was hosting, and I thought that entire episode was great. That's a very funny stand-up comic who, like, and it's, it's unlikely that he would have ever gotten this big. He's gotten this big because he's great. He's great. Because yeah. there's, there's a meritocracy about it. It just keeps churning it out, being good, and, and you can rise. You you going to watch it live? You pumped? Um, yeah, I'll probably try and watch it live. I'll be honest with you. So, like, I, you know, I, from what I've seen recently of SNL, I feel like it is on the uptick, right? Like, I feel like it's getting better because I think for a number of years there, they were definitely a little too politically self-indulgent, and it's just not funny anymore. So I was one of the people that I haven't really watched in a long time. Uh-huh. I will consume, like, if something pops and goes viral on social, I'll yeah, consume I, it. You know what I mean? But I feel like it, Speaks can speak to it, like the, the Bargatze episode. I, I've watched pretty much all those sketches. All the sketches, dude. And it felt like the writers absolutely clued into his persona and yes. his personality and found a way to write to him, and it worked really well. And that's that, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for connective tissue throughout yeah. the whole thing when the host is that big. And SNL was a big part of my life for many years, so I'm hoping, like, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot and watch from start to finish, and, and maybe I'll be back. Maybe be back next week. Well, I think I'll be probably back next week with it, next week's guest hosts. Yeah! <laughs> Sydney, got Sydney Swinney and Casey Musgraves, oh baby. Oh, my God, that's Shane's episode. It's my Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big episode, man. Hey, hot take. City Sweeney, Casey Musgraves, pretty girls. Yeah, that's yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have a good run of ratings. Reminder, last time Casey Musgraves performed on SNL, she did it naked oh, behind yeah. a guitar. Oh, that's right. Oh. What do you think we're there's gonna be no guitar this time? <laughs> that was just gonna be naked. That'd be good for ratings. I don't know. It sounds like in her new song, she said she gave up gravity bongs. She, she gave up taking gravity bong hits. Yeah, I'm interested if that's just the gravity bongs or weed in general. <laughs> that's a good question. That would be a good follow-up question. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, she's Spe- on the show tomorrow, so we'll ask her. <laughs> Something Speaks is afraid to watch tonight. Parkins and Spiegel on the score. Parkins and Spiegel show flashback. 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 And that will bring out the skipper, Joe Madden, as a two-out hit. And as we talked about, might end up getting Chapman into the ball game. And the Indians have a man at the plate who represents the tying run, Rajay Davis. And the 2-2 pitch from Chapman. Davis drives with a deep left down the line in the corner. That ball is a home run. The ball game is tied 6-6. Rajay Davis, a line drive home run right down the line and left. And these fans are going wild. That was a pretty famous baseball game. Thanks, Tanny. 
for that choice. It's the right one, though, probably. I mean, good things happened after that. I don't know if anybody remembers. But God, that sucked so much. It's a tough moment. It's a tough moment. It's a tough, but it was a part of history. I was so angry. I was, I was so angry. It was the right choice, though, for what we're about to talk about right now. 100%. 100%. It was, uh, was you a, wanted to talk about it. I did. I did. Why are you blaming Tanny? I, I, well, I mean, he's just. Hey, Tanny. We're going to talk about how tonight on MLB Network, they're going yeah. to revisit some of the managerial decisions of yeah. Game 7 of the World Series. Can uh, you just play the final call of them winning, please? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Teddy, um, <laughs> I never doubted my mind of, of insecurity about playing that. I was like, I think that was the whole point of this venture. Oh, yeah, so no. That's why we have meetings. Yeah, yeah well, that's right. It's like I, If you can't take that, you can't take this hour special or hey, however long it's going to be. Hey, Teddy, um, hold on to this knife, would you? Um, <laughs> I want to see if it's sharp. Yeah, hey, go ahead. They Good. won the game. Hey, Get over it. Me. Yeah, yeah, they did. They really did. They won the game you're right it was good um tonight is a one-hour special on mlb network with bob costas and tom verducci along with terry francona and joe madden have you ever done the thing where you watch that game again i have rewatched the game yeah. yes it's been a while but Me too. i, I, I rewatched the game after I found out that I got the job, actually. Oh, I, I get yeah, it. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Rewatched it back then. Yeah. yeah 2017. Yeah. You watched it for the first time after you got hired here. Ah. <laughs> I better watch some baseball. Did you I catch like up? Baseball. What happened That's a here? joke. That's a funny uh, uh, joke. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, he had accidentally recorded you. it over the Royals' uh, World Series win. I have. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. Why he was doing stuff on VHS tape, I'll never know. <laughs> I'll never know. But they didn't have the DVD in Kansas City. So when I rewatched it on the DVD, like a couple years later or whatever, um, I got exactly as angry when Kyle Hendricks was taken out after a borderline call and he brought John Lester in for a dirty inning. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when Chapman is just out there and that home run happens and then Chapman stays out there. Chapman was out there for oh, a long time. He had nothing left. He's just throwing sliders because he knows he doesn't have heat. He threw like nine straight sliders. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> he was out there a what long time. What are you time. doing? And tonight, as I watch this thing, I know that Joe is going to continue to not Point the thumb even a little. It's going to be, what, a quintuple, a septuple down? Oh, way more, dude. I, I, way. How, how many times do you think Joe Madden has been asked oh. about his decisions in Game 7 of the World Series? I mean, he was the manager after that. He, he faced the Chicago media 500 times after that. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I know. It's just, woo. Yeah, because he screwed up. He screwed up a lot. Screwed the pooch. It was real bad. And so tonight, watching Joe kind of like, try to talk his way around some of those uh, decisions, I wouldn't be surprised if Terry Francona chuckles involuntarily. <laughs> that's, what I'll be, that's, what I'll, that's one thing I'll be looking for tonight. As Joe dances and doesn't point the thumb, does Francona even let a wry grin go? It'd be funny if he did acknowledge that the guys picked me up, but didn't acknowledge that that was an acknowledgement. Because that was the thing that the the not-so-quiet word was like, just like, hey, man, just... Just own it. Like, just just own it to the team in the rain delay. Own it to the team at the parade. Own it to the team at spring training spring next training. year. Yeah, like, yeah. a lot of places you could own it. The belief in Joe decayed from that night steadily until the end of the relationship. And part of it has been his inability to own it. Which and is a wild thing. And it, that is a crazy thing. Because I do still think that Joe Madden is very, very, very popular with Cubs fans. I agree. 
I, I agree. He's the manager who won a World Series for the Cubs. But but his inability to own it and the decay in confidence and the decay of that relationship was certainly a part of the underachievement post-2016. I'm not saying it was the only thing. but It, it definitely was, wasn't the I only know, thing. Yeah. But it was certainly a part. Well, and, and I think it was – I don't know the answer to this. I've talked to players and management types about it. How would you say – do you think it cost him more with the players or with the front office? Because I think it cost him with both. It definitely cost him with both. And it, I think it it, 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 it. I think it cost him. It, it definitely cost him with both. In terms of more, I don't know. It's a good question. Because I just obviously the front office relationship frayed over a number of issues. Yeah. Right. Like not taking ownership of it, and then not, and then being, what would you say, st- stubborn. Yeah, be, be, a little obstinate. I, uh, yeah, little just a little defiant of new ways of doing things, of feedback inputs. I bought myself thirty seconds, and I can now answer the, your question. Um, I think it cost him more with the players because the players. I mean, because baseball is a game of failure. It is a game of mistakes, and yeah. how can you? be taken seriously talking to them about their mistakes and expect them to be vulnerable as you need to be when you are not that way yourself. And it it creates a a, a layer of discomfort and disingenuousness that, that decayed um, that led to some decay. So I think it was more with the players. It'll be front office is the one who ended up not renewing the contract. Yeah. It definitely cost them there too. For sure. Right, but it, it was it was done by then. The relationships were done by then. We've got baseball on the score tomorrow. Oh, Re- my real goodness. Quick, speak, something to watch out for tonight. I don't know if they'll say this. I found out a very fun fact about that World Series, final Th- game seven. Thank you. Trevor Bauer and Mike Montgomery threw the last pitch, respectively, for their teams in that World Series. High school teammates. Wow, that's interesting. How insane is that? That's crazy. I didn't know they were high school teammates. High school teammates each threw the last pitch, respectively, for the team in the World Series. And things have gone great for both of them since then. (laughs) Very different ways, but yes. Uh, Are really bad for one of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Mike Montgomery hasn't (laughs) had the career that he's wanted either. But, okay. I don't think that'll come up in the documentary tonight. I don't know. It could. It came up on Theo Vaughn's podcast. So (laughs) You never know. I think he works with Marky. Well, Theo did. It's on MLB now. He did a great job. I think he works for them, too. Putting that together. (laughs) So many jobs. Oh, Theo Vaughn. I get it. Yeah, yeah, different guy. My bad. So we are on after Cubs and White Sox tomorrow. How about it? So short show tomorrow, but probably will still be spring training games go fast. Probably, I don't know, we'll be on sometime in the 4 o'clock hour uh, tomorrow after Cubs and White Sox. Connor O'Donnell, congrats. Congrats, Connor. Baby girl Hannah home uh, from the NICU. Phenomenal. Congrats to the O'Donnell family. Uh, No few, if any, people who deserve it more. So congrats to... The O'Donnells, Kevin Lapka, Twitch chat video stream. Thank you, sir. Shane Reardon, and our executive producer. Thank you, sir. Chris Tannehill making us sound better than we are each and every day. For Matt Spiegel, I'm Danny Parkins. We are Parkins and Spiegel. This is The Score. Uh, good luck to y'all. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.